gentlemen, children of all ages, welcome again to the Odd Sided Dice podcast. The podcast where two 40 plus something gamers explores the plethora of choices that we are able to make in the gaming industry today. And also looking back and reminiscing about old projects that are still sitting on the shelves gathering dust. So, as always, it's myself, Kieran, and the Mr. Vandermar to my Mr. Croup. It's Mr. Ian Wayhill. Good evening, uh, Ian. Hello, mate. Oh, you've got us again. Again, it's another one when I go, I know it, but I can't think what it is. You're getting your two women uh, uh, cryptic. Not cryptic, I just can't think what I'm trying to. Mr. Mr. Croot. Mr. Vandermar to Mr. Croop. Mr. Vandermar, Mr. Vandermar, Mr. Vandermar. I will say that when I was doing this, that I, I think we're going to put a little bit of a, a caveat on it. That if the other person can't get it, yeah. then I think we should open it up to everyone who's listening to see the first person who can post under the post for the uh, the podcast can get it. Yeah, actually, that's a good idea, because obviously, rather than me Googling it now, <laughs> well, I'm going to upload this in a couple of days or so. That would make more sense, wouldn't it? So, um, yeah, but oh, I'm, I, I'm going to have to Google it and keep it to myself, because I can't, I'm, that's going to be in do me head in. <laughs> I'm going to do it now, but I'm going to... No, I won't. I've got more important things to do, really. Yeah. I haven't I've got a podcast. I mean, what you've been doing. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, what you're doing now, I'll just say... So, because we have got um, a few new people who have jumped on the Facebook group and have, have started listening, um, mainly because the, uh, the guest we've got for this episode did actually put that he was going to be on the episode halfway during the week. So we have had a, a bit of an influx of people. And you remember the last time when we did the, um, when it was la- my last choice and we did the Starfleet one and it took mm-hmm. you like about 10, 15 minutes to get it. Yeah. I had two or three people saying, well, I, I got that as soon as you mentioned it. So, you know, it's one of them ones, isn't it? Yeah. There will be people who will get it. But maybe even our guests for tonight can get it, can't they? Shall we see, shall we see if you can? So, ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to welcome you uh, welcome our guest for tonight. Um, a lot of the people who are in our Facebook group will know that me and Ian are basically pretty much besotted with the game he's designed. And there is quite a vibrant and big community out there who are playing his game. So we'd like to welcome to this poxy little podcast, Mr. Michael Lovejay. Michael, ah, I was going so well then. <laughs> going so well. Mr. Michael Lovejoy. The games designers for Burrows and Badgers. Good evening, Michael. Hello. Glad to be here. Sorry, mate. Sorry, I screwed. I was going so well, and I just got to that point, and I just screwed your name up. That's all right. Mr. Love G, it could be, it could be worse. Yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's been worse, believe me. Yeah. yeah. School yeah. was not fun. Oh. Yeah. Well, maybe Michael's actually scribbling that idea. Oh, new figure. So, like, you know, a J. Oh, yeah. 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 I don't know. I love J. A yeah. Randy J. <laughs> yeah, maybe. You never know. You never know. How are you, sir? You're okay. Yeah, fine, thanks. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, good and stuff. it was uh, it was never wear, wasn't it? Well, well yeah. see there, see you go. Yeah. See, told you. Didn't mean to give it away, but yeah, no, I got it. I yeah. knew it straight away. Yeah, I've, I've I've just used Google, but yes, as soon as I've it, that's away, cheap, ah, yeah, you, you must have read that. Oh yeah, I remember when it all cause I remember when it all first came out, and it was all it was one of those first things they did. The, there was the TV series yeah, they did yeah. as well, didn't they? Yeah, yeah but yeah. yeah. God, that must be 20 years ago now, and the rest probably. Probably, probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah when I was um, skyping earlier, the uh, TV series was 1999. Well, it all so came, how, so it all how came does out, that date? Yeah, 
Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I, was, I would have still been a call. No, I wouldn't. I would have been working at Games Workshop. Oh. I thought it would. I thought it might have been older, actually. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, yeah. because yeah, Mordheim time, wasn't it, 99? Yeah. They were yeah. by Games Workshop Games. Yes, yeah. Because <laughs> we, we, we technically would have, I'm sure we worked at this, like, at the same time. Yeah, would, I think so, you, yeah. You were Darlington? Were you Darlington? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Middle School. Yeah, and I was, I was uh, Metro Centre. Oh, yeah. I always remember when people ring you, know, you would have been one of the people ringing in of a night time telling us how much money you'd made and that kind of thing, because we were, we were <laughs> yeah. they, 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 they had all the cells, didn't they? And we were like the, the, the Metro Centre, I think, was the main shop. So. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, we haven't come to talk about, I, mean, I always do this, I always end up talking about game, my, oh, my, my time in Games Workshop. <laughs> it was yeah, very we should put another segment into these podcasts. Yeah. Shouldn't be really. Ian and guests reminiscing about working at Games Workshop. I use the word. Section, so there you go. The term working very loosely, really. So. <laughs> yeah. For, for myself. Mike, I'm sure you work very hard. I generally sat in the corner. Not if I can help, so, but obviously. I mean, yeah. I know, oh, yeah. That's, that's not why you take the job, is it? No, no. I'm a bit a bane of Huss's life, man. <laughs> I don't know. Fair play to you. Yeah. Fair play to you. Anyway, so what we're going to talk about tonight. So, we did have the suggestion, and this is one of the reasons why we asked uh, Michael on, because there was a, uh, a question that was posed to us about skirmish games. Yeah. And basically, at what point does a game that's branded, for example, a skirmish game, actually stops being a skirmish game and just goes into a lower points value game of... Um, the title that it's being played under. I mean, because we've had a lot of it with the um, uh, 40k. Still not calling it ninth because you know everyone wants to call it ninth and everyone wants to call it new. And whichever side of the argument you come down on that one on. But they're doing the thing about they're having a lower points cost for the game and they're branding it a skirmish game. But is it a skirmish game? So we just thought that we'd have um, the designer of one of, I, I think, I can speak both for me and Ian, one of the games that we really, really love that's come out in the last few years, which is Burrows and Badgers. So, saying that, before we actually get into picking the questions apart, um, there will be a lot of people, Michael, who actually know yourself and know the game as well. But did you just want to give us some... Broadstoke's um, history about Burrows and Badgers, what it is, etc. Yeah, yeah, can do. Um, for myself, I've been kind of in the in the industry. Yeah, excuse me, in the industry for about twenty years, I'd say. Um, obviously, started out retail at Games Workshop, and then kind of set up as a, a sculptor freelance, and just did loads of historical stuff for different companies and all that kind of thing, um, and then obviously got into doing our own range and um, one of the main parts of that was the burrows and badgers range uh, which started out just as some anthropomorphic animal miniatures um, one of our customers just suggested that i ought to do it because i you know, started out sculpting animals for other people like sort of proper animals like horses and dinosaurs and stuff and he said i should do some anthropomorphic animals so we did a, a set of 20 and they sold pretty well we did a kickstarter for it and they went well uh, and then people started saying you know, what do we do with these? Um, you know, what's the point of them? So I said, I'll write a game. How hard can it be? <laughs> uh, and kind of, it just grew from there, basically. 
I was going to say because like obviously the, the 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 rule book, the Osprey rule book that everyone's got is technically like the second. It's like version two in a way, isn't it? I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I've, I mean, we had to change it. I basically I did my own like little, just a little A5 um, paperback that I just wrote and you know got done myself. Yeah. Uh, and we were we were just selling that alongside the figures. Uh, we had it at the UK Games Expo um, a few years back, and. Um, Phil Smith, who was the the head of Osprey uh, Games for Osprey, he wandered by and, and he, he picked it up and liked the look of it, uh, and so he bought a copy. Um, I probably should have just given him one free, but <laughs> yeah. I charged him for it. And uh, but he took it away. He read it in his hotel and uh, he thought it was great. Came back the next day and and said, look, you know, we can do a hardback version for you if you like. Um, so I said, yes, please. Thanks very much. I was going to say that a few pound he's probably spent on there uh, on that rule book's probably come back to him tenfold at least. Though. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, 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 and it it just shows as well that he must have thought it was a good game because if he'd have bought it and then not come back the next day, you would have you know you yeah. would have been kicking yourself even more, saying, well, why didn't I just give it to him? But it's I'd, I'd have got, still know. got the money though, wouldn't I? Yeah, <laughs> I'd be kicking myself more if I'd given it to him and then he hadn't come back. Well, that's, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Yeah. And who knows where you would have been now, eh? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think as much as anything, it was because it was different. Um, kind of Osprey's policy on these on games is that have they already got something like it? Um, so if you were to pitch a game to them now or for, say, like um, Gaslands, they've got yeah. Gaslands. If you were going to go in with a car game now, they'd, they'd be like, well, no, we've got one. And obviously this being anthropomorphic animal skirmish game. They didn't have anything like that, so no. it was. Uh, it, he obviously thought it was a good fit at the time. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I, I'm quite sort of not surprised, but yeah, it's like the, the, there's been a few. I mean, because you know, we're talking about like sort of niche style games. I mean, I, I, I'm always amazed that there's never been a big sort of flood of like anthrop. Because obviously, there's not. Well, there is. Um, is it Sally Forth do that, that is quite recent that um, anthropomorphic. Oh, there's, um, there's, there's been quite a few actually. Yeah, well, I, was just saying, <laughs> I, I noticed them. Well, I suppose you probably do a lot more than me. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, but it's 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 uh, uh, you know nobody sort of me well no one's they kind of jumped on the back of burrows of badges and kind of like gone with something else. And as I'm saying, I'm, I'm sure it's Sally Forth have done something quite recently. They take cats and rabbits and stuff. Yeah, that good science fiction. Yeah, one. I think that's based on an old um, comic series. Graphic novel, yeah. Series, yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah, and again, I don't know. I mean, I haven't really paid that much more attention. But yeah, it's 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 a really interesting um genre, isn't it? I mean, we always talk about genres within genres in this podcast. But yeah, the the whole anthropomorphic. I can't say anthropomorphic. Open. I'm going to have to say animals. (laughs) But yeah. You should just get shot to anthro. Everyone just calls it anthro. It's so much easier. Yeah. I I think it's very divisive. I think it's uh, it's one of those you either like it or you don't. Mm -hmm. And we've had a you know we we've got a lot of fans who are very seriously into it. They love it. They think it's great. Equally, when we've been at shows. Um, we've had people like recoiling in horror when they see, you know, yeah, that it that it's not, you know, standard historical stuff or whatever, and they're they're genuinely shocked by it. Mm-hmm. So I think it's very it, you either like it or you don't. Yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, Kimmy, you want to say something? No, no, go on, go ahead. I forgot what I was going to say now as well because I want to be segue. I'm on starting on my tangents already. I mean, yeah, well. the, I was going to say that. The, I mean, obviously the the thing that first drew me into it was 
the, the, the figures themselves obviously you're saying like starting off on the like the sculpting side of things before you like did the rules i mean I've, how long have you been like sculpting michael is it something like i mean obviously you've said you've you know i take it was you like sort of sculpting when you were at games workshop or was it like <sighs> pretty much straight after really yeah uh, so it's been about 20 years i think um yeah i've been doing it for about 20 years i mean i was converting yeah. stuff before then as, yeah as you, yeah you know it's like putting cloaks on things and all the rest of it but yeah. um only sort of sat down and started doing it properly after that um started out doing like garage kit stuff like bigger you know sort of model dinosaurs and things like that and i did a load of uh, animals for like various collectibles companies before i started doing miniatures properly because mm-hmm. i was just i was sort of doing miniatures on the side but i, I didn't really want to um didn't really want to get into doing historicals particularly that's mostly what it was because you've um there's so much you can get wrong yeah yeah, people know what they're looking for with the historical stuff and unless you're into that period it can be very uh but you know that's what i ended up doing anyway so uh that's it i mean i I mean um you've got i mean it's got like the 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 burrows and badger stuff it's like it's a fancy game but it's like set you know it, it's not like orcs and goblins i mean i'm as we're talking now i'm painting the the raven mage who i've been right. sitting he's been sitting on my bench since salute last year i thought i should really i should really paint them and then you know talking to michael and it might be a good time to start doing it yeah. but you know what i mean it's a it's a but it's a it's a um it's not an orc it's not um a goblin a troll or something like that which you've got to kind of use a bit of your imagination Oh yeah, but, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's something physical that you know you see in a, in the world on a on a daily basis, isn't it? But it's it, it's it, um it's something that you know it's got the fami- familiarity, but then it's got the fantasy element on top of it as well. It's our personally, I think that's what I really really love about them. No, I, I yeah yeah me too. Uh, and from a sculpting point of view, I just like the fact that I can get away with so much more because um, very difficult for someone to tell you you're wrong yeah with, yeah you know, the way you've dressed your badger or whatever <laughs> yeah oh we yeah. do get it from time to time we've i've had we've had very long-winded emails about how the, the badger mage is smoking the wrong kind of pipe oh uh, right. <laughs> it's quite, it goes massive long detailed history of you know pipe smoking and you know what time periods and what social classes and and i'm thinking it's a badger badger yeah you know, <laughs> at no doing... point in history have badgers been smoking pipes yeah <laughs> it's, it's not really relevant but generally we get away with a lot more with it we can just i can just kind of put whatever needs to be there on the miniature and you know just yeah. have a yeah. bit of fun with it because i think that's it because i think you you must have from what you were saying you were saying you know you can't really you, you could basically just do what you want with your um figures as long as you know you're not you know putting well i don't know maybe putting horns on the badger i don't know if that's something that's you know you've got again on your list to to, to go forwards or whatever but you've got to like um a complete freedom to do basically what you want with the miniatures line and also just picking up on the point that ian said because it's not a stereotypical fantasy creature the the people who then buy the miniatures and paint them they get to do a free, they get a bit of freedom as well because I know a lot of the people do go on then and then go on um, Google etc and find out you know what color the fur is and yeah, and all yeah. the rest of it. I mean we had it. I know you were watching um, Andy the uh, the guy from Blackjack Legacy yeah, yeah. and he he was painting one of your fox uh, models 
during one of his live stream painting um, sessions and the, the topic of conversation for about 15 minutes on that was well what color are actually a fox's paws and there was so like you know loads of people in a uh, a group chat to a, a, a youtube live video and everyone was googling you know fox's paws and i just found that ridiculously brilliant <laughs> at the time and i don't know I've actually got a Pinterest board for weasels. <laughs> Just lots of pictures of weasels. Yeah, I, I do have horrifying amounts of pictures on the hard drive. Just of, of as many different angles of heads and things as you can get. I can uh, imagine. When, whenever you're sculpting them, it's yeah. You, knowing what it looks like from one position just doesn't help in 3D. You've got to get it. You know, so many different angles, and it's just such a my Google search history will just be really strange. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do, do you actually do you sculpt at 28 mil, or do you do the other way? Do you sculpt bigger and then it's reduced? Uh, no, this, this is this is just normal sculpting. It's uh, the the reduction stuff's only really if you're doing it digitally or if you were doing it for plastics using a pantograph. If you're just doing kind of regular sculpting for metal casting, you've just got to do it at the same size. See, that's that's just that's just by me way because you know just looking at. You know the the amount of detail that you do get into your models. It's you know. Well, it's, it's, it's one of yeah, you, I mean, you you're you're an artist, you're a sculptor. At the end of the day, you know what I mean. You could put some of your work is at that at that level. I think. Thanks so much. I started out doing six mil for people, so um, these actually feel massive. Yeah. So yeah, as long as you, as long as you start out small enough, I and mean, I always found going the other way. If you've just worked on a big model, then doing a little one feels a lot harder. But if you go the other way and you've just done something tiny, then you know it just feels so much easier when you you start on one of the larger ones. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm holding holding the. It says Raven, isn't it? Not me. Not a crow. It's a Raven. It is a Raven. Yeah. But he's. I mean, of, of all of the. the the, like the the Burroughs figures I painted, he's the biggest one I've done. I've done like like an otter and the hair are chunky, but then got him standing next to one of the mice. He's you know it's it, the the you know, obviously the the same technically the same scale in a fantasy scale setting, yeah. but yeah, it's 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 a he's a joy to paint. I don't know why he sat on my bench for so long, but um, but I think I have that I have that that fear with with your figures as well, Michael. Again, from what what um Kira was saying, it's they're so nice that I don't want to mess them up. So I think sometimes I, I like I've, I've got a bunch of weasels as well from Salute last year, and I think I've only painted up two, and I think I've got another two to paint, and they're just kind of sitting there. And I went, I'll get around to it because I want to do them right, and I sort of sometimes I get this, they get the fear sets on us, and they'll, they'll get put on the shelf. So I'll have to come, I'll have to go back to again, get well, them also. Again, I think it's one of those um, character figure things, isn't it? When it's mm-hmm. um, low model count game, skirmish game with character figures in it, you, you want to. You don't feel quite the same pressure in a in a mass battle game when you you know you're going to have 50 people with the same uniform mm-hmm. and yeah. you're going to be seeing it on mass in a unit. You, you know you can get away with a lot more in the painting. Yeah, but, uh, I think yeah. you just feel a bit more pressure when it's a character figure. That's it. Yeah, and as I'm saying, especially like in this instance when they're you know they're a really nice figure anyway. It's like you know like you know the sculpting's so good on them, and you don't want to you know you don't want to <laughs> mess that up as well. I mean, going back to going back to what we were talking about, just what Kieran was saying about obviously when you're sculpting and what scale of sculpting. I think one thing I, I think I think's brilliant as well is that the I'm right in thinking that all the figures are all just single piece, aren't they? There's no yes. multi part. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. but you know, you're quite often 
you'll get a, a single you know like a, 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 a single piece model and sometimes they suffer from that almost like staticness you know it's the old sort of going back to gw but you know like the old sort of imperial uh empire halberdiers all standing there flat you know what yeah, I mean? yeah, but yeah. The, it's so dynamic I, I, I mean they're all you know amazing i mean again just because he's standing in front of us you know that's even though he's just standing up tall the, 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 the this raven mage he's uh he's moving though you know what i mean i think that's that's something that, that like your sculpting style works you know yeah, it looks so, so nice um i i to be fair, I'm, I'm pinched most of the ideas from early Citadel stuff. If you look at the early Citadel stuff before they went multi-part, I mean, yeah, kind of pre-slaughter-based days, really. Um, they were all single piece, and there was a, they had a lot of um, dynamic poses. There was all kinds of interesting ways they posed them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think once they'd gone to multi-part metals, you kind of lose the need to do that because you know you can do it with uh, with by just having the arm at a different angle because you're casting yeah. it separately. Um, I think we we wanted to do single piece with these because for one thing we figured just being the anthro stuff we were going to pick up a lot of customers who um, weren't necessarily into miniatures mm-hmm. um, things like the games expo and that people who are normally board gamers or whatever and they're not going to be as familiar with modeling uh, particularly sticking together metal miniatures can be a bit of a, a chew anyway can't yeah, it yeah yeah drilling and pinning and so, so we thought we'll keep it all single piece, um, and then that makes it easier for people. Plus, I think it's it's one less thing to do before you've got to get it on the painting table as well. Um, yeah. I find that you know we, we want people once they've bought these to get on and paint them and get them on the on the on the gaming table. So if we can take away a bit of the work, it's uh, it just makes it better that way. And I hate to say it, but commercially, it's um, just in terms of things like molds. Um, if you've got multi-part figures, you've got to have extra molds for the the bits. Then you've got to it's extra time spinning the molds and then making sure you've got all the bits right in the packs. And yeah, so uh, just, yeah. just from a, a straightforward us doing the work day to day, it's just easier if they're single piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But no, that's as I'm saying. That yeah, I, I, obviously the, the you know the um, logistic side of it, like you were saying, it just makes life a lot easier, doesn't it? Um. Something you touched on there, and it was it was one of the, one of the, the the questions I was going to ask um, before I lost my list of questions. Kieran, <laughs> when we were replying, Kieran with these questions, but um, obviously you mentioned the Games Expo, and I've mentioned when I've you know picked some bits and bobs, but it's salute last year. Now, obviously, I know you do everything, all your sales and stuff, so like primarily online. But obviously, you I would imagine you would do very very well at shows and stuff as well. So has the current situation with COVID been like a major effect on you this year, or is it is is everything still ticking over nicely with with the um you know the on, the online stuff? Because obviously that's the one good thing about being like an online business, you're not going to suffer as much from not yeah. having to rely on stores, are you? I mean, it's a difficult thing. Obviously, we've we've lost out from the. I think it's not just from shows. It's not just like the revenue you get on the day or you know over the week with the expo. Mm-hmm. Um, it's as much as anything. It's um seeing people that you wouldn't normally see and it gets your um you get to meet a bigger audience i mean generally when we have a show like salute or the expo or even just the little shows then for the next couple of weeks after that you see um a boost in the web shop sales mm-hmm. um just because new people have seen your stuff they're they're tweeting about it they're taking photos of stuff and put it on the internet um so shows are beneficial not just in terms of the sales but in terms of getting getting you known basically getting your, your, your stuff seen um which helps you reach a bigger market obviously without that this year we've 
kind of focused on the online stuff just making sure we're in as many groups and things and you know forums and stuff just trying to keep it uh, visible for people again thankfully we've been helped there because people like painting the stuff and pretty much every group we look in somebody's already painting some person badges figures yeah so it, it's not been too much of a problem um so yeah there's you know you take a hit from missing out on the shows um but at the end of the day we're, we're still here and ticking over so you know that's the main thing hopefully i mean things are going to start getting themselves back back to normal relatively soon but i mean i suppose you can never tell can you but, but, yeah, uh, no idea at the minute no, i mean no, really on, on the plus side um when people are stuck in with nothing to do then you know they're going to paint miniatures exactly yeah games in which is which is always nice because uh, quite often the summer's quiet anyway um you know july august time normally we are we're quiet a lot of the miniatures companies are quiet because people go outside and you know yeah. doing, do interesting things outside and, things like that yeah yeah. yeah yeah well winter tends to be a better time for for miniatures companies because people are stuck in it's cold it's dark and they might as well sit there and put some miniatures together exactly exactly so any Kieran, have you got so you've got you've got some proper questions to ask Michael, haven't you? Yeah, well, it basically is, and I, I was just going to say because obviously during um, the COVID nineteen period and stuff like that, you brought out um, your first supplement book for the game, apart from the uh, the main rules, which was the uh, Warren Percy affair. Did I get that title correct? Yeah, so obviously you'd, you'd already got that because that wasn't, you know, something you did. Oh, we can't get to shows. Let's get something in the pipeline. No, I presume no. that was, yeah, it was, it was that was meant to be almost ready to salute. Ready to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Was, that was that was the plan. It was going to be a salute release. Exactly. So um, one of the questions there is is basically based on um, the inside uh, back cover where you've just done uh, <laughs> a little message to everyone and you've you pointed at a couple of things that might be coming um for the future of the game now one of those you've already shared ideas on the uh, facebook page as well which is the the dungeon stroke you know um animal den underground side of things but you've also mentioned in there as well that there's there was going to be another uh, release which was titled um, i'm just trying to read it properly now terror of the neck rat mancer yeah. Yep. Well. Right. I've screwed your name up at the start, but I'm getting the names of the book correct. So that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 that's yeah. Okay. I'm pretty sure that's what we're, yeah. we're currently and, calling it. And also that you're looking at maybe even going um, RPG with the yeah, I mean, aesthetic as well. So a lot of people are just at, that's the one question that's come out is, and this was asked like about 15 or 16 times. So just where. Do you think that the um, the next books are coming from? Are you still looking at the Netrap Mancha first, or have you changed your mind about what's coming? Well, we did a poll in the uh, in the Facebook group, um, and the top two it was uh, the the Necromancer stuff, and but the one that kind of just pipped it was a um, map based campaign. Uh, people were wanting a map based campaign. Um, so that's kind of what I've been I've been doing that and the necromancer stuff at the same time. I'm don't know whether I'll get them both in the same book or not because obviously you know the longer you look at it, the more you end up writing and you get pages and pages of stuff. Um, so it could be either of those. Either going to be witch hunters and necromancers rules for that and a campaign to go with it, or it'll be um, 
a map based kind of territory taking territory based campaign because a lot of people wanted that i mean that's it offers a side note there i mean on a personal um note i love that it's set in North, how do you, it's North Himbria, isn't North, it? Yeah, but it's, it's, you know, I mean, for me and you, uh, Michael, it's essentially it's tough. <laughs> so, I'm, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm well, that's, yeah, that's yeah. why I did it, really. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, I think, um, Michael, uh, Biggs, who's, you know, friend of the show, he's just been up on his holidays up, up on the up the northumberland coast yeah, like, yeah wow this this is amazing <laughs> yeah you popped in here on the way up actually well you know funny enough i was just saying to kieran um i've literally been now probably around the corner from you this yesterday and today yeah, yeah that, I, I did say actually yeah you we're, were in redworth hall, hall yeah. weren't you yeah, yeah about just, three miles from the unit yeah. <laughs> that's it we were just i would drove past and i thought to myself wasn't until we got there i said steph i says i'm sure that's where <laughs> swan is isn't it in yeah. there so it was been the weather anniversary so we just popped up had a night there so uh yeah, um, I thought, yeah, with, with Michael Popman in, he wouldn't want me turning up on a Sunday. <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of them, I, I bet you did. It, it's probably one of those when it, that it's nice that it's happened, but you probably didn't want to put it online that you've got a, now a picture of your front door and someone saying that they walked through because now you're just going to get inundated. You're going to have to put some kind of uh, some warning system up and stuff like that or just say it's always closed. We have had a few people come in from time to time. Um, I mean, we're not set up. It's just, you know, it's like it's just an industrial unit. It's not, we're not a shop or anything. It's like there's just piles of junk in here. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, you know, people do pop in now and again. Nice. There you go. Ian, that seems to me that Michael says you can come around for a cup of tea at any point in time you want to. That's, well, that's what that sounds like to me. I know where I'm going now. It's just three, it's literally, there's only one road between me and there. It's, uh, it's only, I think, it's less than an hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Pop over in the morning. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, so uh, we'll, we'll leave the other, the other questions for a little bit because I don't want to bombard you with uh, too much questions on that kind of stuff. So do you actually get time to play games yourself? Or is li- li- literally, no, because it's only yourself and uh, Joe pretty much doing everything do you actually get time to relax and game yourself and if so what are you gaming not a lot is the honest answer most of it i mean i've got piles and piles of stuff i keep buying stuff i keep planning you know it's like i've got uh, i've got so much so many kind of half-started projects and what have you um currently um just bought some more stuff today for a Space Marine Army for um, third edition 40k, weirdly enough. Um, I don't know why. I just felt like doing, I'm going to try and do a Primaris Marines, but do them as tactical Marines and assault Marines and just do it as a third edition Crimson Fists Army for that. Don't know why. Seemed like a good idea. I've, I've just uh, sold all my Crimson Fists. <laughs> uh, no, but, uh, yeah, I just thought I'll I'll give it a shot. See if I can, you know, turn a, a an intercessor kind of guy into a see if the the um the, the old heavy bolters devastate the heavy bolters and things will fit them and it'll take some converting work. But I thought that could be uh, you know another project where I'll just pile the stuff up and and then forget about it, which tends yeah, to be what I do. Yeah, there's a, there's a few people that, that have just exploded with you know some kind of. Uh, 
some inbuilt rage, but there's you know there's plenty of us who are now thinking, oh yeah, third edition. So you you're a bit of a connoisseur uh, rather than a uh, you know jump on the bandwagon with uh, type games. A bit of a weird thing for third edition. Yeah, I know people generally don't didn't third edition was hated. I I get that because you know at the time anyone who was into second edition probably wasn't going to like third edition. You know that's kind of a given. I mean second edition was basically you tooled up your heroes and and they dominated the battlefield and third edition was much simpler um but i just i i i've got a bit of a thing for the 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 army lists forget all the codexes just use the army lists that are in the rule book and um just keep it simple and you know i, I find it quite good fun that i'm with you on that it's my my favorite edition as well i was um Again, I don't know if it boils down to the fact that we it was the 40k that we were pushing, I suppose, wasn't it, when we both worked for... Could have been, yeah. yeah. Could have been. I've, been, I've, been, I've been doing it sort of right from, you know, well, I started with sort of first edition Warhammer, so... Yeah. It's kind of... It, it's not one of those, it's my favourite, because it's the one, you know, I started with or anything. I just, yeah. Yeah, it's just... Plus, shortage of time, you know, to do things. I just figure I'll pick that one and I'll work on that and then, you know... Yeah, it's probably that, one of those... I mean, I bought. I've just got big piles of Aeronautica Imperialis stuff um, that, <laughs> that I bought and haven't opened, um, which I bought because um, I got the the original rule books when they came out for Forge World about must have been about ten years ago, mm. um, and decided I would play it. And, uh, and now, kind of ten years later, I've finally bought some models so I can actually play it. And probably in ten years, I'll put them together. You never know. Might, might eventually get a game. Yeah, I mean that's that, that's one of those games I've been holding off. Um, it, it was very much one of those. I love the look of it, and it it was when I was like not really gaming. Well, I wasn't gaming at all. Um, again, ten years ago or so. But I I would always like sort of kept me me finger and popped in the shop and I would see it. Oh, that looks good. And then now it's come back out again. I've kind of gone ah. Oh. But again, I'm just concerned it'll be <laughs> like you were saying. There's something else in sitting yeah. in the box. I'll 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 put like half of them together paint up half of the ones i've put together and the others will sit there for another 10 years so yeah that's it i mean i got um i really wanted to play strontium dog i've got strontium dog i've got a lot of miniatures for it and uh i just because i love strontium dog yeah uh, again finding the time you know it's like plus yeah hobby butterfly you know i've got so many things that i want to do got uh you know just half started warmaster armies because i found some of my old warmaster stuff the other day you know so you kind of dig them out and you know get 10 minutes worth of oh this is the medicine i've got got to do some of this now and then something else takes over yeah is there actually anything else apart from a hobby butterfly though because I've, I've, no, I've, 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 I've very rarely come across people who say no that's it that's this is the only range or line i click maybe some 40k players I, maybe. Say 40K, I think 40k yeah. manages that but again i think it does it because there's so much involved yeah you you could there's so many different armies that it's effectively like you, you can you know you've got books to read you've got online stuff to do you've got totally different armies different codexes there's so much involved in it that it's effectively like um multiple smaller games yeah so i think they can you know that they can keep people the, the interest going there yeah if you're fully into like a about 40k yeah really haven't got a, that much i, say, I know you yeah, don't aren't you basically yeah. I mean, again, I mean, I, I, I've, I'm doing my best not to be distracted by the new edition. And as I'm saying, I got, I've, I've ri- like literally just last month got rid of my Crimson Fists because I'd, I'd put them together for eighth edition and never played them. Never, yeah. I never, I've never, I don't think I've actually 
I mean, I know oh, the rules for eighth edition. Yeah, I, I didn't manage to get to get a game of anything at all. Yeah, and, and I just thought to myself, I'm, they're just going to sit there. I'll get, uh, and so I've, I've sold them and got something else. You know, you know, one of the rare times I move everything on. But I thought to myself, well, if I'm going to sell anything, I may as well sell Space Marines because there's always going to be somebody who's going to want to buy Space Marines. So True. yeah, but yeah, and as I'm saying, I just keep looking at them. I kind of going. No, 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 no! Don't look at Space Marines or don't look at anything else. Don't, def- definitely don't look at Imperial Guardian because that's a dark hole. You don't want to go down again. You just, you just know there's going to be some new plastic soon, though, don't you? Yeah, and I know I'm going to be there with, with yeah. them. So it's like you know, one, 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 well, one, one, one Warhammer army in, another one out, sort of thing. So we'll see. I'm sure. I'm sure that will come along at some time. Soon. Yeah, it's, it's it's like you you saying that um, you know when you stop playing and then you walked back into your your mate shop back in Newcastle and you mm-hmm. walked out, you know it was just basically that he'd be waiting for you to come in and buy that box for probably five years. So it's you know if you are going to get back into it, you're going to go down the the Imperial Guard route again, aren't you? Oh yeah, well Mal yeah Mal did the hard you know it was it was a long term, but he he knew he knew I would be back. He knew I'd always come back in. <laughs> Right, and so it was saying that you don't get to play them, Michael, but if not you could, not but if you I could, know. what would um, you be playing? Do you think? I'd, I'd definitely get that Strontium Dog sorted. That's, that's high on my list to get Strontium Dog sorted because it, it looks like a good system from what I've seen. Um, and I, I like the just the idea of the Strontium Dog stuff. Um, I'm looking forward to the uh, Baron's War stuff coming out. Um, yeah. I've got the, the miniatures from the first Kickstarter and I'm, I'm waiting for the stuff from the second one. Um, and the rules look decent on that. Um, obviously, Andy Hobday is doing that, and he, he knows what he's doing. So um, that'll be interesting to see. Plus, I like the I like the time period. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, that, that'll be good. Other than that, uh, Hail Caesar. Very occasionally managed to actually get um, early Imperial Romans out and do a bit of Hail Caesar. But uh, um, I, I keep meaning to try um, Underworlds because everyone tells me it's brilliant, and I've bought it. And um, I haven't opened it, but I'm, I'm again quite fancy having a go at that. Okay. I've enjoyed, yeah, I've enjoyed it from the little I've played. It's kind of one of those ones I keep wanting to play more. And uh, it's, uh, yeah, it is good. It's, 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 it's a, it's, you know, a nice little system. I've got very different. It's all, you know. Yeah, it did. It looked more. I, I figured it was something I could probably get my kids into because they've always been into collectible card game stuff rather than yeah. miniatures. And I figured that's kind of. It's got a bit of the deck building aspect to it, and I, well, I thought uh, that might just suck them in. But, it probably, uh, yeah. I mean, I think it's one of those games. They've, they've basically GW have done a um, a deck building game, like you said, and it's almost as if like the figures are there because the the self figures. You, I'm sure yeah. you can probably play yeah. without the board or the figures at all. But yeah, it's from what I've played. Um, I haven't played. In, I've got the new one, the Beast Grave, but right. I, I, have, I haven't played that one yet. I've, I've got I've got the first two. I've managed to hold off buying the last one on the basis that I haven't actually opened the first two yet. Oh well, I've, so, I've, I've missed the middle one. I've got the first one, didn't right. get the middle one, and I've got the third yeah. one. So I mean, I really got it because the it was a sepulchral guard, the uh, the skeletons. Yeah. I just thought, oh, they're fantastic, they're brilliant sculpts, and I just thought, right. So you know. No idea what the game will be like, but I really want those skeletons. So yes, I've done them skeletons. They're lovely. Yeah, they are gorgeous <laughs> yeah. models. Yeah. So so pretty much you're saying so like Ian, all those games that Michael's just listed are games that you've got as well that you haven't played, pretty much, aren't they? 
Yeah. Yeah, you're, <laughs> yeah you're, you're, you're an hour away from Michael. So do, do we see this sort of like the birth of a uh, a little gaming friendship here, getting together and sort of like, you know, playing some of these games that you don't play? Yeah, I've got Strontium Dog, I've got Just Dread, I've got Underworlds. Yeah, they're all there. Maybe it's, it's like then when then, when things get back together, Michael will have to have a game. Yeah, yeah why not? <laughs> We'll meet, yeah. meet, up, meet up somewhere in the middle, sort of like Washington service stations oh, or something like that. <laughs> yeah, you're going, down, you're going down the dangerous dangerous route there when you're talking about meeting up at service stations. Yeah, yeah, that is, yeah. It really <laughs> like doesn't sound dodgy whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, man. So, right then. So, that's going to lead then into what we're talking about at the, the start about skirmish games. Now, I, th- I think I think the the way the question was asked to us is when does um, for example a model count for a game take it out of being a skirmish game and put it more into just being a lower points cost of the main rules? I mean because we've seen it with um, for example bolt action. Now bolt action was always seen at the um, like the tournament setting, it was always seen like a thousand to fifteen hundred points, but it worked equally as well at like a five hundred point level. But they never termed it being a skirmish game; it was just a smaller size game. So, do you think that skirmish games has become a bit of a, a so like a hashtag word to put onto put onto things, or is there a place within? The genre where it sits i don't know who wants to take that first because that's quite an ambiguous question i can realize that um again yeah it, it's i suppose it is it is a term that's become a lot more prevalent in the last 10 years i guess isn't it and then you, you but you you kind of look and, and does it it's, i mean it's funny you're talking about like 40k and in a weird way i've always kind of thought of 40k is a skirmish game um but i've never really played big big games of 40k and again it might be going back to like sort of third edition they were talking about before and that was maybe a smaller scale than what people play now i don't know um but yeah it it could it be because if you look at like the stuff that the um two fat lardies do like sharp practice now the classic is like, you know, that's obviously Napoleonic skirmish, but, you know, you're talking 60 to 80 figures. Now, yeah, is it specific to the the time period, like a historical or, you know, what's, I mean, what would you, what would you deem a big game of 40k? You know, yeah, like, I, I know. I know what you're saying. So, if you're looking at it from a historical point of view, if you to look at maybe Napoleonic period like that, mm-hmm. that a, an army for an actual battle would be thousands, yeah, of people. But because you're doing it where it's, you know, what you're saying, so like you know, fifty to sixty models, that's the equivalent of what would be a real world skirmish. So, does that get a bit grey area again, maybe? You know yeah. I mean? you've got to base it on something else yeah sorry yeah. Michael. No, I'm just yeah it, it is a tough one because it's even things like um the way the number of units you've got in a game can, can I mean, you got you you could argue that kings of war is a skirmish game in that 
each unit is effectively a single model and you've only got you know half a dozen up to 10 sort of units you've only got 10 models basically to move around the place so in terms of um kind of simple straightforward rules it, it's it's almost a skirmish game if you like uh i don't know it, it, again figure count you've got to wonder like, to me a skirmish game you've got you're looking at individual figures rather than units i would probably say i i think of burrows and badgers as being a skirmish game because each figure on the table acts by itself yeah uh, i think if i had units of figures i'd be thinking of it as a small battle game um i don't know all we need a different word basically and skirmish applies to stuff in the middle you've got big battles you've got skirmishes and then something at that more personal level i guess that's it it's like that um it's not like rpg like almost isn't it it's that kind of when like we've talked about this before out kieran haven't we it's like when you're you've got like almost because that you know like with burrows you've got your individual character and you know you 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 put a you 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 put a character to to that person like to the animal um and you 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 you, um yeah it's it is when it when each individual like when each individual figure is an individual person or character rather than yeah like a faceless unit as i'm saying i've i've been doing building a lot of napoleonic stuff lately for sharp practice and you know you're talking about a 25 30 man unit now you have your your, your leader of that unit who's the character but yeah you've still got you know You've got more, more, you've got more men in one unit in sharp practice than you do having one war band and burrows and badges. You know what I mean? Considerably more. Yeah. You know what I mean? You've got like three, three war bands worth, haven't you? Yeah. So it is, it is, it's too, yeah, it's, is it, it, it's become too much of an ambiguous term, really, hasn't it? Well, I think it means different things in, like you say, you're talking there about a, a historical game, and I think to historical gamers and a lot of historical games writers um they think of anything up to sort of 60 to 80 figures as being a skirmish game mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of sci-fi and fantasy games your skirmish game is kind of a dozen figures aside yeah uh, and i i do wonder how much of it's down to the way these things are sold because um if we're selling historical games you sell boxes of plastics you sell unit packs you very rarely sell single figures and mm-hmm. when you when you're selling a blister pack, it'll have three to six figures in it. And I, I do wonder if there's just a mindset with historical games that they're meant to be played with loads and loads of figures, and the small version is kind of sixty to eighty figures. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas when you when you're used to selling character figures and people are used to buying and painting character figures, they don't want to be doing it. If it's science fiction and fantasy stuff, high detail stuff, they've put a lot of time and effort into painting it. They don't want to be doing more than 10 to 12 figures aside because um, it's just the investment in time. So I, I do think we've got kind of different definitions of skirmish gaming, depending on whether you're coming at it from historical or uh, whether you're coming at it fantasy sci-fi. Yeah, definitely. Would it, anything, one of my famous tangents here, but were you ever... Th- think of ever doing like a larger scale battles version of burrows and badges i'd like to do a 10 mil version kind oh, of warmaster like, style that's, yeah yeah t- maybe 10 15 mil that'd be very cool it's, I, yeah because i've yeah for, for, for big kind of big battles where movement's important 
um i'd like to do it at a smaller scale really yeah because uh, I, d- I wouldn't really want to do just it always feels a bit cheeky just trying to it, like you're trying to convince people just to buy extra miniatures you know what I mean? it's yeah like, yeah it's now like, you, oh, you only yeah. needed a dozen but now now you need a hundred so <laughs> yeah you know, it just uh yeah it, it, but then i guess asking people to buy an entirely new range of 10 mil stuff is probably not much better either is it but uh, i mean again 10 10 mils i mean going down the smaller scales i mean there's like uh, i mean a lot of people who kind of just kind of would just don't touch it because it's a smaller scale don't it? it's a bit like That's terrifying yeah. for some people but yeah, yeah I, I, def, I definitely have to get to the opticians and get my eyes tested because they're already going already with 28 mil stuff. So you get away with what they will be like. Yeah. Get away with yeah. so much more painting the small stuff, though. I mean, you know, black undercoat and then a bit of dry brushing and you're halfway there. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. But then, then again, I, I, you know, I can remember back, and I'm sure you guys can remember Eric as well too, um, when the uh, Epic 40k was out. When the, 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 you know, the that was six mil, wasn't it? The yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and you saw, you know, some of those guys. It was like the, you know, the guys that carve, um, you know, like the Sistine Chapel into a grain of rice over a, yeah. a, 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 a microscope or something like that. And it's sort of like, a, how did you ever get that amount of brush control to be able to paint that on so small a figure? So that there'll be people who do it, and you you'll just be ripping your hair out again. And so, yeah. Maybe. Well, I used to sculpt it at that size anyway, so uh, you know. It doesn't feel that bad painting it. <laughs> Fair enough, then. Fair enough. Yeah, that that would be it'd be definitely interesting to see. You know what? Um, did do you think it would be a, a massive step to be able to convert the rules from going? Yeah, I did, you'd do a totally different rule system. Yeah, you do. It's a separate rule set component. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that's one of the main things I'm, I'd like to do is you know get more rules done. I enjoy writing rules. It's uh, it's yeah. But uh, yeah, you'd have to do it completely differently, I think. So, uh, so again, again, I think this comes back to the the question of skirmish games. You know, what 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 is a skirmish game and all the rest of it. I think a lot of um, you, you can see it in the way rules are written as to whether I mean, you, even a, a small unit game like uh, DBA, something like that. Just from the rules, you can tell it's not a skirmish game. It's meant to be a battle game. That's what it's simulating. And I think um, in a skirmish game, you tend to have a lot more characteristics for your models for your, your units say even if it's a, a larger unit um and yeah I, I think probably when we're defining skirmish games versus battle games the rules come into it maybe even more than the the miniature count i guess yeah but uh, yeah sorry i like, killed that didn't it sorry, <laughs> no 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 it's all right because yeah. I'm, I'm just looking down my questions and it seems that you've answered three then with that answer so oh, <laughs> go, on, go on i can waffle so, but I'll ask them anyway I'll, I'll, I'll make something up yeah yeah i mean it, yeah um i mean because one of the ones was um that it was a question of basically if you know you you had enough time and that cost was not an issue to you what would be the projects you'd like to do going into you know for 2021 what would be you know if you get a pin board out and say right i'd want to get that done this year that done this year and that done this year and you've had free reign with the time and free reign with the cost what would be say your top three on that list all right number one would be a game called raven's rod that i've been kind of working on for about 10 years um and uh, which kind of my dream project i would say it's um basically a more time type game um obviously so it's and badges but it's more more time ish 
Uh, it's 14th century, set in the UK, in the town uh, of Raven Sir Odd, which was a historical town on Spurn Point that is pretty much like um, Mordheim was, basically, in that it was um, a very dodgy place, um, lots of piracy going on and bad things going on, and then destroyed by a, a, a disaster allegedly sent by God, uh, and then just had groups of ne'er-do-wells fighting over the remaining territory before it was finally wiped out in a storm and i'd quite like to do a, a skirmish game it's, it's really good set in the 14th century of the uk um all kinds of crazy things going on you've got the uh, the black death the peasants revolt um belief in all kinds of weird creatures wood woeses and things you've got um the clergy were starting to get into necromancy in a big way at the time we had uh, flagellant cults coming in from Europe, uh, people, you know, whipping each other with flails and what have you. Uh, it's just, it's a really, it feels like a really good skirmish game setting. And I've kind of had rules going for it and started doing miniatures, but it felt like something that I'd need to get a plastic set done for, which kind of put it over the uh, over the price range for us at that point. So if I had time, that's what I'd do. That sounds amazing. That sounds really, really cool. So it was funny you just saying about like all oh, that 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 period um and, you know about like you know how i mean how do you bring the, the like the fanciful side into like a, a, a historical period and i remember reading or someone on a podcast quite some time ago but someone was talking about like a historical game but it had like werewolves and stuff in but it's because they were like the, the, the what they said was is that because um the, the 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 general man on the street believed in werewolves and was you know seriously scared about them and you know the the, the clergy would be scaring people with you know like um you oh, know yeah, devils yeah. and demons so like, obviously it was almost that kind of like where people believed in them so yeah. they they existed in their minds you know so that's how like you know it's like a, you could use use that sort of thing to bring that into the into a, yeah, into a that, game that's basically the idea of uh, you know magic works kind of the way they thought it did basically yeah so, um, so you wouldn't have you know fireball spells and all the rest of it you just mm-hmm. do it i mean i've got various books on kind of 14th and 15th century magical practices and what have you and so you just kind of mine those for ideas of be more ritual magic and I, yeah oh uh, yeah i'd really quite like to do it i must admit oh well i'd be very very but, interested uh, in you that, never know i've been you know off and on working on it forever but uh we'll see yeah. so I promise <laughs> But it reminds me it reminds me of a game that I picked up at uh, Warlord some time ago just because um, I, I've said it on this podcast before that I'm you know a child of the the Hammer House horror films oh, and yeah. Yeah. especially so like and it was it was titled Witchfinder General and it was basically you know about you know one of the Witchfinders and his yeah. retinue going in and investigating all those kinds of bits and pieces and it was I think looked at as a skirmish game but I never found anybody else who a knew about the game or on the other side of it played it so it's literally just been you know it's been sitting on the uh, on the shelf for a while so yeah I'll probably seen, have to go and reread it I've seen it mentioned on the internet but that's, that's as far as I've seen it but uh, yeah it might be worth a look yeah Okay, so that's that's number one then. What's uh, what's number two on the uh, Michael um, of Joy down there? Probably I do. I've got a um, another one that I've started called uh, Iron Salt and Silver, which is a a modern day um, oh, what's the word for it? Um, 
but you know, like, um, I don't know if you read any of the Harry Dresden books, anything like that, modern day kind of urban fantasy. Um, so modern day wizards. So mm. you've got kind of like wizards, um, vampire hunters, that kind of thing in a modern day setting, um, taking on ghouls and things, werewolves, that sort of thing. Um, small model count and um, it, the, the version we've been working on is um, is like a solo slash cooperative kind of game where you just have half a dozen people playing and then dealing with whatever comes at them. So uh, that's what I'd like to do. But um, yeah, oh, it's yeah, it's it's kind of you know bits and pieces I've been playing around with that. I don't know whether we'll do anything with it or not. For one thing, it'll depend a great deal on whether I can um, get my head back around sculpting uh, humans again <laughs> because it's been a while. But uh, you know. Um, yeah, so I quite fancy that because uh, I've uh, yeah I fancy trying a bit more of the the cooperative kind of game elements. Um, and I think cool. yeah, number three would be doing a solo slash cooperative version of Burrows and Badgers. Really, um, I suspect if I was writing it again from scratch anyway, I would probably lean that way anyway rather than uh, obviously initially we wrote the game as a, um, a kind of two player head-to-head thing um but we've got so many kind of families and husbands and wives and things like that playing playing the game in family it'd be quite nice if we had a uh, version that was would let people play together against the game rather than just against each other kind of thing so i mean because you you did put out your um your solo rules as well not too long ago yeah yeah, we've got those and we're still working on those I've, i've updated it a few times since um and, and they're okay, but it's. I, I don't think you can do a, um, a proper solo slash co-op game without designing it from the ground up. Really, uh, I think if you, whenever you're adding it, the rules on afterwards, it's always going to be a compromise. It's never going to feel quite right. Um, you can't kind of replace one of the other players completely because uh, the the decision making process is totally different. You know, the spell list, a lot of the spells require you to decide what you want to do, and you can't automate that, really. So I think um, to do that, you've got to start again and uh, design the rules so that they work that way. Yeah, because I imagine, I mean, like you say in there, that, that, that the hardest thing about doing a solo game is how the the game plays against the person, I guess, isn't it? And it's like you you cut you. you you have it as you know you want it to be as animated as possible don't you you don't want it just to be like uh but i suppose as well you don't want to put too much in as well so it's it's like oh you know you've got like a a book of a book of stats and things like that it's got to be the balance between the the two isn't it yeah that's the problem i think i think the still the easiest way to do it to to operate the bad guys effectively is just do a a flow chart and just keep it as simple as possible yeah, but I think probably ideally you want to have you don't want to overcomplicate it. But I mean, if you have got half a dozen different versions that you can just keep on a little A5, A, A6 card, say, and it's just then you just kind of assign types of, you know, like this is an uh, an aggressive fighter, say, then he's got a little flow chart. And you know that any aggressive fighters will follow that flow chart. And it's pretty straightforward. It's just they move towards people and hit them. Yeah. Or, you know, then you've got another guy which might be a supporting mage. And so he's going to have spells that buff people. And what he'll do is move towards the the weakest aggressive fighter, say, and give him a buff. Yeah. Uh, and you can set it up like that, which makes it fairly simple, but gives you plenty of options. 
but if we did it on cards as well you've got the option then that you've got the flips cards can flip you've got the flip side of a card so you could have on the back um a, a slightly different flowchart that they use when you've given them a bit of a hiding if they're wounded um then you know your aggressive fighter might, might not be quite so aggressive yeah and so you can do that and it's not too complicated but at least it stops it being completely predictable yeah 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 that's great uh, and, and if you've simplified the rest of the game that doesn't become too much of a chore because you know if you've all the other elements that make up a game currently with all the spell choices and all the different things you're not going to have any of that because it's you're playing against the game that all that will be done in the scenario so uh so it shouldn't feel too complicated if you design it from the ground up i think and so yeah i think that's what i do i may end up doing that anyway yeah um, i mean it seems to be that i mean it, it seems to be the things you i mean the things you mentioned they all sound absolutely amazing but obviously there's that's got already got the legs to run if you know what i mean isn't it so, you know there's people, people already have the miniatures for it so uh, yeah you know. and, and, and i dare say people are, people are already asking for it as well like kieran was saying it's uh it would uh it would be a, 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 something to look into definitely uh, especially if um, we get more of these uh more kind of viruses popping up and <laughs> yeah i mean who knows what's gonna happen yeah yeah no that's just, yeah well it's something we, we've discussed this earlier on in the in the year i'm hearing about sort of like you know what to do in lockdown in your the, the solo game and uh, yeah yeah i listened to that one yeah. yeah i've actually started actually i've done some uh been playing some dungeons and dragons for the first time in probably 30 years i think i've, oh, I've wow. i think i've played like oh, Ed King. yes yeah, yeah yeah i don't think i've played any role, I mean because it was role playing that got me into into the hobby in general I suppose anyway but it was yeah it's like I, I, I think it predates me even going into games workshop really for like role yeah. playing so it's been like you know a long long time ago but yeah I thoroughly enjoyed it <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah I mean because you guys will probably remember having, having worked at the store you can remember maybe that in the back corner of your store somewhere in London line there was copies of uh, Talisman and copies of um Room quests and stuff yeah. like that in the, in the back corner so like you know hidden away from hidden away from view like in the uh special adult section you have in certain video stores and stuff like that etc yeah behind the request <laughs> yeah exactly yeah so there you go then a few uh um examples of where michael wants to be going so everyone's listening make some make some space on your shelf maybe Oh yeah, most of them. They're not going to happen. They're not going to happen. I haven't got time for that, sadly. <laughs> uh, you know, it'll just be it'll be more burrows and badges stuff for now, and, and I'll just develop that as far as I can, really. Um, ah, if we ideally, if we get the chance to do a, a solo co-op one, that would be good too. But yeah, uh, I mean, because you you were saying so like about long line about getting back into sculpting uh, human figures. I mean, a, a lot of people won't realise if they haven't visited uh, the Oathsworn uh, web pages, you do actually have a line of um, human um, miniatures. Yeah, yeah, we've got yeah. some kind of, um, yeah, deep, well, basically RPG figures, D&D, kind of, you know, they were just for a role-playing group. Um, so we did a, the Heroines in Sensible Shoes Kickstarter and just did a few miniatures for that, really. It, it was just a sideline. Um, it, it's kind of not something we do a lot of, and... Uh, I just don't get time now to do anything with it, really. Yeah, it was, it was like you say, it was just done as a as a, as a sideline thing. It wasn't done, you know, with the ideas of any any project to tag along with it at the time, no? No, just um, it was literally just 
we needed some miniatures for a uh, role, a D&D campaign, basically. So uh, I kind of started them for that, and, and then we sold them. That's all it was for. Um, so they're all, like the first seven of them are basically um, the the basic character classes from old red box D&D, which is what we were doing at the time. So, uh, and then it just kind of developed from there a bit. Good stuff. I was just, um, you've done a lot of dwarfs as well, haven't you? Yeah, I did, yeah. I did start out. The first, well, the first thing we did for ourselves was dwarves. Um, yeah. That was like, you know, coming out of um, doing, I say, doing historical sculpting and what have you. I mean, obviously I've done a lot of bits and pieces for other people. Um, but uh, but the first thing we did for ourselves was because I've always liked dwarves. I mean, yeah. play, all, all my old Warhammer armies, I always had a dwarf army. Yeah, me too. <laughs> you know, it's just yeah. So that's what we started with. Is that where the 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 the, the um the company logo is? That kind of where yeah, that yeah, it's, it's kind of halfway between um a dwarf and Odin, basically. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I, I kind of like eye. I kind of like both. So uh, you know, mm. Norse god stuff and dwarfs, basically. Here's a fair bit of crossover there, anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I was away last week with the family in uh, in the late district. We just took a got a, a, a sorry, it was one yeah another another tangent. Where the hell's he going with this one? Yeah, no, go on. <laughs> We're in um, just like a Haven Caravan um, park, and um, they had like a little you know shop on like a little supermarket on uh, on site. And mother-in-law went in to get something, and she got, took out a plastic you know like i'm sure most mother-in-laws have like you know a plastic bag in there in the 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 the, the, the handbag so if in case they do do a bit of shopping and then they haven't got a bag for life you know what i mean so it's like little nicely folded up yeah and here's on my mother-in-law pulled out a shopping bag unfolded it and it was no sworn <laughs> carrier oh, bag nice. i wish i wish i took yeah. a photograph of it now i was like yeah. oh that's good so obviously it's been one i've picked up with the show and it's yeah always oh, good to have the advertising yeah exactly so yeah there was a, a little 70 odd year old lady walking around the, the supermarket in the district with an old sworn bag last week <laughs> Oh, she'll get people asking her questions whether she's a pagan or not. We've had that a few times. It's like, oh, oh are God. you pagans then? And we were like, no. No. It, it, initially, I'm kind of, why are you even asking me? And then I'm sort of, oh, right, okay, it's the logo. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Now, now I understand. Oh, but I suppose, yeah. It's, I mean, I mean, working in the 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 hobby, like, you know, I, I mean, I remember um, getting back in GW and, you know, you would get some people in who didn't know what it was in the really, like, kind of, what the hell is this? And I remember, I think it was um, when Gary Warren was at the managing the Newcastle shop, oh, and it was again, it was it was an Imperial Guards. He paid, I think Gary had basically painted them up in um, sort of like German um, assault and uh, ambush camouflage, you know, like the yeah. sort of like yes, and I think basically someone came in and accused them of being a fascist, and that yeah, we say, yeah. and we were selling, you know, we were selling like you know um, Nazi propaganda, and Gary was going, no, it's toy soldiers. <laughs> yeah, it's not even not even uh, not even World War Two toy soldiers. Yeah, yeah, the spacemen basically. Yeah. <laughs> but I, but that's uh, yeah, the the yeah. trying to train. Teach the uninitiated. <laughs> yeah, your you mind boggles at the fact that so like, you know, if GW had basically been a, um, a historical game and, you know, instead of so like the fantasy and science fiction would go, you, you'd have a, a lot more of that, you know, shops on uh, every high street with, you know, panther tanks and tiger tanks in the window yeah. and stuff yeah. like that. I'm, I'm sure you'd get a, 
I'm but sure the industry. I'm sure the industry wouldn't be as big as it as it is now if that was the case. But then, yeah. I don't know. You, you tend to get a pass for things being historical, though, don't you? I mean, because yeah. you've only got to look at model kit companies. That I mean, they're awash with World War Two stuff. Yeah. I mean, to my or whatever, and you know, the the 135th and 148th stuff. I mean, it's on shelves everywhere, but because it's it's kind of serious modelling, I guess, rather than games. I, I don't know if that helps them. I built a um, Meshi Schmidt last year for me. My son, my son's only not even three yet, but he's got he's got he, he knows. indoctrinating him with that Nazi propaganda all Exactly, I'm, getting I'm it. shocked. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I did my Spitfire first, you know. Obviously, when you. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. So I mean, he, he's he's probably one of the only three-year-olds who knows how to pronounce the word Meshi Schmidt. I'm saying that it might not be. But yeah, one thing I noticed again, it was just an airfix kit, but there's no, and again. Is open a bag of worms here. We're probably there's an avenue we don't want to go down, but it doesn't have a swastika for the oh, really? decals for the tail, yeah. And again, it was I was I was I was thinking, well, does it matter? Um, you know what I mean? It, it's not. It's what it then is. You also say, well, it's not um, historically accurate, but then you go, well, it's. I thought myself, it's not a conversation I want to be having with a three-year-old anyway. But uh, no, no. yeah, it's it's. Well, I get what it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because yeah. it it is history. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you you can't just ignore the stuff. So, yeah. but uh, yeah, difficult one. Yeah, but again, yeah. That, that also means though they can sell that Messerschmitt in Germany, that same kit in Germany as they can do in England. They don't have to oh, change yeah. the decals. Just, just like transfers out, couldn't it be easy enough to? Yeah, do? yeah, exactly. But it's all there. Yeah, no, well. Anyway, yeah, one of my yeah. We don't don't be going off that. Don't be going off that tangent. Definitely yeah. not. I mean, we've we've seen, we've seen enough that on you know quite a few um, forum and Facebook groups about you know especially in the last last couple of months after the you know the uh, that announcement that riled everybody from from GW so like you know it's it's come a little bit surreal some some group conversations to be quite honest but, yeah you know, you know, it's, it's definitely very I mean you know very polarizing I think people definitely take a, a very particular position on it one way or the other and uh, we just get arguments really i think at the end of the day you've just got to let people i mean obviously you you want the hobby to be inclusive ideally mm-hmm. um but at the end of the day shouting at people is not going to help no so no, you know, but it's uh ah, it's, a, it's a tough one i mean it's to be fair um i I'm, I'm a bit weird on this anyway i tend not to do any gaming that isn't either kind of medieval or earlier or um, sci-fi and fantasy just simply for that the kind of i always feel a bit weird doing i know a lot of it world war ii is massively popular i mean there's mm-hmm. you know it's got a huge market but i, I kind of tend to stay away from it i'm just uh i feel personally a bit weird about it myself it's, yeah um you know. I, I, and I've, I, it's kind of one of the things when i got back into the hobby six or seven years ago um it was one of the big pulls obviously getting back into gw stuff but then also really got into bold action yeah, and yeah. I've got a couple, a couple of German armies, but and again, it was taught in um, to my mate Huss, and he's not, he's not no interest in it's fantasy and science fiction for him. But he's and he, he, one thing he mentioned to me was it's like when we're you know the age that we are, when you're playing a Second World War game, you're essentially playing with the representation of somebody's granddad. Yeah, yeah, that's, and, yeah, yeah. That's it for me. That that was always my problem with it. It's yeah. like you know talking to me granddad about it and he's like telling me about his time in the desert and all the rest of it and i just kind of felt a bit you know do i really want to be 
Yeah. Like, it's the same, same situation with um, kind of modern gaming. Um, but again, you see, you, you, there's an awful lot of currently serving soldiers who happily play modern yeah. war games. They're, they're fine with it. Um, so it's not, I don't think you're necessarily, it, it, it's just a personal thing. I think you've just got to decide where, if you feel fine with something, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it just, you know, for me, I like it to be far enough away that the odds of me meeting someone who was involved is, is not very yeah. high. You know? Yeah. <laughs> It'd be terrifying if you do meet some of them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's in, in, in the flip side of that, I've been painting a lot of Vietnam stuff um, recently, which again, obviously is newer again. Yeah. Um, but then it's almost um, kind of, it's more that, like, again, a generational thing that we grew up with a lot of Vietnam films when we were kids in the action films, you know, like, you know, like, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it almost that. feels like a like a fantasy world. Effectively. Yeah, that's how because the way we we're kind of made aware of it is is through kind of, uh, yeah, through pop film, culture yeah. rather than, yeah, it was years you know, of horrors you, of war. Yeah, I mean, it was years after, until I found out that America didn't actually win the Vietnam War. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd, <laughs> you'd be forgiven for thinking so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Output, wouldn't you? Yeah, but that's it. I think that's why I, I, I have had less. And again, it's because, in, and, you know, saying this is English English podcast, but uh, obviously Britain weren't directly involved with troops on the ground. So, yeah, yeah. again, it's like you were saying, the likelihood, well, I mean, well, yeah, well, yeah, where the, where the word is, people yeah. have been affected by it basically not, yeah. not directly yeah yeah, yeah so, so yeah yeah that's a fair point yeah so i suppose it comes down to when you, when you look at it it's that de- maybe it's that degree of separation you can have from it you know what i mean because like you were saying because family members that you know we might remember we were involved in the second world war conflict and also because we're British and not American, mm-hmm. you know, the, the degree of separation between the two eras and the two conflicts is completely, completely different. Yeah. So I, I can understand, you know, people's viewpoints about how they don't want to or they do and et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, some people just need to maybe just calm down a little bit and say, you know, because you play these games, you are not dealing and directly supporting various ideologies and all the rest of it and this that and the other and i think you know that's the that's the biggest degree that anyway anyway we're getting far too serious for yeah podcast. yeah <laughs> far far too serious okay right so next question michael cool. you ready for this next question okay Depends so yeah what's i'm leaving the big one to the end i'm leaving the big one to the end there's a big one. Oh, great there, there is a big well the, the um the most asked question so you can you know you could probably, right. probably your brains say, look in the faq it's probably yeah, exactly. it's probably it's probably in there so um obviously because you know you, you guys go into shows and knowing people from uh within the, the industry the question was asked about who are the people's works that you look up to or who are the people's works that you enjoy i i, I won't ask you the third bit about who do, who doesn't and who don't you like because i think that's a completely unfair question to ask of you so yeah, you know not, who, who do you not do an easy you, one to answer either exactly um, well it's not just that it's like there's bound there's some people's rule sets where i don't like one and i think the other ones are brilliant and you know so it's it's never as it's never as black and white as you just don't like somebody's rules um 
because oh well, unless they've only written one rule set, I guess. <laughs> then you yeah, might not like so. it. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, somebody out there hates Burris and Badges, so it doesn't like my rules. Um, I'll have to write another game so I can, you know, give yeah, them something else to think about. Safe, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, Rick Priestley, I would say, is my initial kind of um, slightly worrying man crush. Um, definitely a Rick Priestley fanboy, I, entirely based on uh, my early days in the hobby. Uh, sort of kind of early Warhammer, um, mostly second edition Warhammer, and the early Citadel journals and compendiums, which he wrote a lot of. Uh, and I just, yeah, liked reading it. He basically, it's you know the usual thing. You started out in the hobby, and it's all new and shiny and exciting. And he was, it was his stuff I was reading. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm a big Rick Priestley fan. Um, and I like a lot of the games. Warmaster, I think it's a great game. I like Hail Caesar. Um, just a lot of the stuff that he's written, basically, I really enjoy. Rogue Trader was a huge kind of gaming influence for years because there was so much you could do with it. And uh, that Andy's got a couple of Burrows and Badgers figures as well, so you know that never oh, hurts. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Did you? I don't know if you if you listened to um, the odd sided. No, that's just man. Um, the yeah, cast, yeah, yeah. The Cast Dice, the Cast Dice podcast with Brad. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, I. And he had him on uh, talking about Rogue trader a couple of episodes that was a cracking episode i mean he always comes across like such a lovely lovely bloke as well so he is i mean any time i've met him he's been a lovely bloke he's Mm -hmm. just you know he just seems like he is so you know yeah nobody spoil that for me if anyone's got any horrible stories i don't want to hear them i'm just gonna keep keep thinking he's a lovely bloke okay but the question is did he pay for his brothers and badges figure sir he did i tried to give him Uh, and and he insisted he insisted so he's even i've even seen him painted so uh, yeah, I'm quite pleased. And and not only did he pay for them, but um, he didn't complain when I made him sign sort of four or five of my books that I'd brought with me on the off chance that he'd be there. <laughs> so, uh, That's the yeah. one thing I didn't realise about uh, Rick as well, though, is that he he, he, not, he didn't necessarily start off in sculpting, but he has sculpted quite a bit in the early days. Like he's old... done bits and pieces, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah he did some spare ships and he did some early kind of sci-fi guys. And uh, has he done some like ancients like? Like bits and pieces, yeah, yeah. yeah. But again, it's like you know, everyone, you know, you used to think, oh, he's Mr. Rules, but uh, many, many strings to his, uh, to his bow. Yeah, I mean, he was, he was kind of Mr. Everything, I think, when they started up. He was just, yeah, you know, mail order, cutting and pasting stuff, writing, you know, content. So, uh, but yeah, he's, you know, in in terms of kind of hobby gods, Rick Priestley is my hobby god. That's yeah, he's. He, he was out feverishly working away like that, and you just had someone, maybe like a John Blanche, just sitting in the corner going, well, I'm just going to draw for the day and all the rest of it. And you can, you can, I'd love to be able to maybe go back and be that, that fly on the wall in those early days of the GW because there must have been such a, you know, the creativity in that studio as it was with all those people in there must have been absolutely immense. Oh, yeah, it'd be a buzz, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, it would have been great. But, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Apart from him, um, I'd go on to probably Warwick Kinraid. I think he's a badly, um, kind of badly underrated rules writer. Um, he did the original Aeronautica Imperialis rules that basically it ended up being X-wing. Effectively, I mean the X-wing rules are kind of very heavily influenced by what he did with that, um, which has been huge. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, he wasn't involved in that, but uh, but it's definitely based on what he did. Is <laughs> um, what was it? Battlefield Normandy? Is that what it what it's called? Oh, um, yes. Uh, I'm not sure what you mean. 
I've got, I'm trying to reach down for my copy there, but it's just too far away. <laughs> but uh, yeah, again, um, proper skirmish set that I guess because you're looking at generally you're only going to have one figure, um, so you can definitely I don't know what you'd call that man to man, but uh, again, really uh, it's a great little rule set. Um, he does some lovely rules, uh, and I think not a lot of people know about his stuff. So uh, be nice if he got more cover really. No, no, that's World War Two, and obviously, you know, I shouldn't play that, but uh, no. I, I can. We converted it up to a sci-fi set, so well, that's my excuse, honestly. Oh, that'd be but, quite good. But, but, yeah, I, mean, I, I, I really like fire, the idea. Fire, like, firefight Normandy, that's it. Yes, yeah. Um, actually, that's something I might have a look into because I do like that idea of that again, and it goes back to the almost the old cinematic again. You know, World War Two films. Yeah. Um, it, well, it's it's got kind of mechanics in there for. I mean, it's. There's a lot of modelling involved if you want to do that the way. And that's one of the things I like because I'm, I'm into the hobby because I like the modelling. And mm-hmm. uh, it's got like a rule for you're supposed to have three copies of the of your figure. You've got like a standing one, a prone one and a kneeling one. And you use whatever state you're in. You use that figure on the table to, to kind of represent it. And, you, you know, your actions are different depending on what position you're in. Oh, so rule. Rule on paid here, I think. It's a good little, it's a good little game, and it's uh, it just just got clever little rules mechanics in it. Like it's got a D100 system for um, shooting, and the same rule, uh, the same roll, sorry, um, covers your shooting and your hit location. You, you roll, um, and you get say a 25, and you've hit, and then you reverse the dice to be a 52, and that's your hit location. Oh, wow. So you so you only do the one roll. But the one roll of dice, but you know. Yeah, that, that that's that's very Warhammer fantasy roleplay. That is, that yes. was the, the yeah, system a lot in there. That, yeah, yeah, but it's just it's nice little. It's 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 kind of a, a detailed skirmish system that's also extremely simple to use, and it's just a very clever little rule set. I like that one. Simple, simple is my go-to word. So yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and I think increasingly that is across the board these days. I mean, mm-hmm. I dug out a copy of. Um, old Citadel Spacefarers the other day and uh, an old laser burn that I had from the same time and yeah. I mean we had those when I was I was like 10 when when I was looking at that and it's, it's insane I'm mm-hmm. reading through it and it's pages and pages you want to throw a grenade it's like four pages <laughs> it's just I, I don't honestly know kind of how we dealt with it back then but uh, definitely these days simplified rule sets seem to be the way to go yeah, yeah, yeah. It's because yeah. we were younger as well, mate, and just had to like, you know, we weren't crammed with all this useless knowledge you've got in our noggins at the moment, so we were, yeah, yeah. we're yeah. more easily available to be able to decipher those. Uh, yeah, but those I mean, it, was, sets, I it think. was across the board, wasn't it? All the yeah, you know, anything was. Which I mean, you've only got Rogue Trader. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no way you could do all the rules in Rogue Trader, and you know, in the moment someone brought a, a robot along and you had the oh, you've got to do program cards for. What the robot's program's going to be yeah. during the game, and it's just no, oh, dear mate, no, keep it simple. That's yeah. yeah. I mean, again, off the tangent, I think I might have mentioned this on the last show, but one of the one of the the best, not necessarily the best rules I've read lately, but it's like in a rules reading capacity. Like you know, um, I got Carnivale from TT Combat, oh, yeah, yeah, and they do a great little, um, it's like a five mission tutorial campaign it's essentially like you know when you play a computer game and it, they have the kind tutorial. Of rules kind of thing yeah, yeah. and like the first the first the first um scenario you and, the, and the, but the, 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 they've put it in a small little package and so it, you, you, it's telling the story all the way through and it's the two the two gangs that you get in the in the starter box 
they're kind of like scoping each other out. So you can't go into base base right. contact with them, and you've basically got to get to the opposite end of the. And there's no way. I mean, you, you know, it's basically the first person to get the opposite end, right. and it's just and it's just using the movement skills. But you well, know, um, yeah, I mean that. But then that's kind of early. I mean, I've not played the new version, but the original was. I mean, the board was kind of the third player, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. You know, movement was what it was all about. It was very very keen towards using the terrain or what have you yeah again that's i'm saying i don't I, mean, I don't know what the original version i've got a feeling that they're relatively the, the same because i'm sure it's the same guy who, who yeah i mean basically there. they just bought it out didn't they i yeah. don't think they changed it a lot but uh, no. i'll say i haven't seen the new one yet but uh, oh, yeah i've just been I'm glad they picked it up oh it's i mean it's, it's such a, it's, it's a dead simple game um again well that's going back to what you what we're classing as a sort of like it's the old it's 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 like it's kind of reminiscent of more time and in a lot of ways the way it's you know the the, the gang sizes and stuff yeah again i think yeah. single single figure activation i guess yeah that's that's a definite you know you can argue that's a skirmish game if it's got single figure activation exactly yeah or we need uh, a new term uh, yes <laughs> I what you, what, whatever you call it i don't know what would you call it when there's only half a dozen people fighting each other scuffle yeah, it doesn't sound right though, does it? No, I'm doing a, I've just written a new scuffle game. It just sounds <laughs> a bit. Nah, nah, yeah. ruckus, ruckus. ruckus yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. People might buy a ruckus game. Like I yeah. can't see anyone picking up a scuffle game. Scuffle game. Uh, no, no. It, it, it depends how you, how you skin it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, because basically every role play game starts off with a uh, starts off with one of them. The the um, the thingy bar fight at the start of every yeah. role play game, yeah, isn't yeah. it? That's, yeah. that's what it is. Yeah, you've always yeah. got to start in the end, haven't you? Yeah. Always, always, and sometimes end in the end as well. But that, that, that's you know that's a completely different conversation. Yeah. <laughs> right. So talking about the um, you're just saying about keeping the rules simple. That's basically it's reminded me of a question that I wanted to ask you. Yeah, so cool. so we've got even more questions now. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> um, so obviously the games a lot of them base um, their mechanic. Now, a lot of games were originally like, you know, a D6 mechanic. A lot of people are moving towards um, the D10 mechanic. What was the idea with yourselves about being able to use all the uh, polyhedral dice? Was it a case of you had them all and you just wanted the game to be able to make it? Or was it just the easiest way that you could do um, the opposed roles that you have in your game system? Um, well, initially, uh, I, I was using, I mean, the rules, the Bros and Badges rules have developed out of the rules I was writing for Raven's Rod. That was kind of my initial plan. I had a, um, a skirmish set written with that. Um, that was 2d6 rolls and plus a modifier. Um, we went with that for that because everyone's a human. They're all pretty much the same. So you don't want that. You don't need that much of a difference, much of a variance between people. You'd, you'd kind of use the rest of the rules to, to get the difference in there. When we did Burrows and Badgers, um, I had to have a way to handle tiny little shrews all the way up to kind of massive badgers and beavers and things. Uh, and for that, I just felt that you needed, you'd end up with such a massive range of modifiers to make the difference stick that it just it got silly. So I thought, right, well, use the polyhedral dice. Then it gives you... Straight away, you can see that little guys have got small dice, and the bigger creatures use bigger dice, basically. So I just thought that that gave us a range of um, different types of character quite easily. There you go. That's an easy, simplified answer. That was brilliant. Yeah. Thank you very much. I, I love it. I think the system's really good because, like you just like you're saying there, Mike, like it kind of like characterizes 
that uh, you know, yeah, a sparrow and a, a sparrow and a, yeah. a red kite are going to have different. different I, mean, I, could, uh, I could be tempted to simplify it. I, I mean, one of the things that I mean, we've got modifiers in there inevitably with things like you get pluses and minuses to things, and that does complicate it. I, I could be tempted to to do. I don't know whether there's room for it or not. Um, like a dice level switching thing where your dice go up one if you're if you're kind of you know if you've got an advantage, um, you you'd roll a d8 instead of a d6, and if you're disadvantaged, you'd roll a d4 instead of a d6. I don't know whether that would simplify things or complicate things. I don't know. I might try it out in a playtest and see what happens. But because uh, the one thing that I, I dislike about the game is having to keep track of modifiers because uh, I know a lot of people don't aren't keen on that yeah but I don't know who knows there's it's, no it's, easy it's, it's, yeah it, it is one of them I mean you know sometimes the, 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 with Boris and Badgers when you first get into it it is a lot of oh so what do I add what do I take you take away but that's something you get with any game when you first oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Go into mm-hmm. it. But, but once you get used to it and once you understand it and because on your side, you've got such a low model count. It doesn't take you long to work out what your additions and what your subtractions from your dice rolls are anyway. Because you don't have to remember, you know, 20 or 30 of them. No, I, I, yeah, I mean, that's bound to help, isn't it? That's because you've got fewer yeah. Yeah, got fewer figures to worry about. So uh, I don't know. I just, you know, modifiers. <laughs> it's one of, my, one of the things I don't like that much. But uh, it's finding it's finding a good workable way to get around them that allows you enough variation. Because of course, I guess with skirmish games, what you do want is a bit of variation and personalization. So uh, you know, if yeah. you make it if you make it too simple, then yeah, you kind of lose out on that. Yeah, yeah definitely, definitely. Yeah. So Ian, you've got anything on on your list before I go with the final big money question? Well, no, actually, mate, I was my my last question was going to be all revolving around the dice so we've, we've uh, nicely answered that one so are you ready for this final one then Mark? I, I, I can I, I'll, just, I'll expand the dice one slightly for you then, just to be um, um the other thing was um because we were going with a um rpg light type feel we just thought the polyhedral dice worked well with because it's it's familiar, it feels like an old school role playing game. I mean, that's where, kind of yeah. where you had your polyhedral dice in, so it kind of gave us that. Um, it kind of tied it into a, a more of a role playing crowd, if you like. Uh, and when we were at things like the Games Expo and what have you, it, again, it's very familiar um, to those kind of that crowd, that audience. So it worked well for them. And it also, I get people just um, in the last two or three years, I think there's just been a bit of a, a backlash against D6s. Um, it, I mean, see a lot of games in the industry are like, oh no, it's it's now we use D10s or we use D12s or whatever. Uh, I'm not sure why. I think people just got fed up with D6s and think it's a bit different. But, uh, you know, yeah. so, so again, it, it makes it a little bit different. Personally, yeah, I, I, I quite like D6s. I quite like dice pool games. Um, yeah. But, you know, that's just... Uh, I've got a couple of kind of games on the on the uh, on the back burner that use D6 dice pools, which I like. But uh, whether they'll actually come out or not, I don't know. Because uh, I say it, they seem to be out of favour at the minute. But yeah, I, I think as uh, you know, that, a lot of people. I mean, when I first noticed it, it was a lot more that games were moving towards um, specialist 
dice. So you had things like um, Saga, for example. You had um, another game that Andy was involved with, the Test of Honor, which has got its own dice. He's he's going to Rome and, you know, and they're all moving towards this, you know, the specialist dice, which which were all pretty much six-sided dice, really. Well, yeah, because you've got to pay for it. You've got to pay it. So do you do you pay per side for the dice oh, when you get them printed? But yeah, but getting uh, getting the bigger ones on, it's still an investment. Dice. One of the things I've kind of looked at with dice, and you know, people have asked us, "Oh, will you do special burrows and badges dice?" And at that point, that's when you think, "Oh, if we hadn't done polyhedrals, maybe." Yeah. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> you've got to, got to do six different dice. Then uh, no, not going to happen. You'll have to be so like you know whittling away in the workshop, wouldn't you, on some you know some special. Uh, you know, take some uh, some trees from up there and so like you know whittle the dice out of them and stuff like that and, and sell them as special ones, wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's it's just one of those things, isn't it? Dice, yeah, it's there. Um, it does ultimately affect the way your game plays, but it's also a perception thing, I think. And uh, so for us, it worked with the kind of the role playing, you know, the the role playing style of the game, I guess. Plus, I like polyhedral dice. Yeah. 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 Any chance to roll the D4 is, you know, and then land it on the floor and then step and on then it. And stand you know. on it. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Ah. Exactly. Yeah, the purpose one. Right then. Okay. Go on then. So, f- final question then. And I know you get asked this countless times because I've, I've been on the Facebook and looking down it and, look, and looking. Is that basically everyone's got their, their wish list of um, the figures they would like to see? For Boris and Badges. Now I know you um, you do them in releases for Kickstarter, and that's the way that you you know you get the the new models um, to the range. So the question is, have you got an idea of when the next when you're aiming for the next Kickstarter, and any idea about what people can expect to see in that Kickstarter? then yes okay um we plan to do more this year basically um obviously 2020 has been a complete nightmare as you as you no doubt have noticed Mm -hmm. um all kinds of things have got messed up as a result and you know when we're producing stuff it's a question of me sculpting it um, and then getting it um master molded and then getting production molds made and then getting casts done so there's a lot of people involved along the way and uh, lockdown and thing is scuppered all kinds of things basically so we had planned to have a kickstarter done by now um and that was originally just going to be a few more kind of additions to the range uh, just general stuff and then we were going to do the witch hunters and then the necromancers as like separate sets um and the other thing that's messed it up is the sudden increase to postal charges to the us Um, that's suddenly jumped through the roof Uh, the initial plan was to do three smaller kickstarters and that works fine in terms of you're not asking people for too much money it's not too much time with the casters you're not needing too many molds doing Um, the downside is that then the postage is kind of higher because there's a minimum amount you're paying for postage anyway and you know the difference between 15 miniatures and and five miniatures isn't a lot in terms of postage uh, but it becomes the postage becomes a bigger percentage of the take 
if you're only doing five miniatures, people don't like that. They'd, like, they'd rather get the value for money, uh, which is entirely make, make perfect sense. So what we'll probably do, rather than doing three small ones, is we'll probably try and do one bigger Kickstarter. I don't know. I'll, I'll discuss it in the Facebook group, see what people think, because it'll probably be, end up being about 30 miniatures, which will probably mean that the all-in, would including postage, would probably end up being about 150 quid, which is quite... I mean, we've never had one that we've asked that much for before. So I don't know whether it would be something people would go for or not. Um, but if we do, it will be, if we do that, I suspect it will be the end of October. We'll probably do it kind of Halloween kind of time uh, because cause it'll have ghosts and necromancers and that kind of thing in it uh, and witch hunters. So it kind of fits with that. Um, the plan basically is to do kind of the three sets. So we've got like um, the, the dark, the devout and the heroic. Uh, would be the three sets so you've got the dark which would be the necromancers there's basically a couple of necromancer characters and lots of undead basically a large it's in terms of old um, warhammer influence basically it's my old rick Priestley influence coming through here it's um it's kind of um kemler and uh and his undead lot from the old lich master stuff Uh so i've got basically a rap version of heinrich kemler and then um you know, a uh, a large wildcat with a kind of magic axe with him, and then various undead critters. Basically, um, I've, I've got about half of them done so far. I've got about half of that lot still to do. Uh, then the the devout of the witch hunters. We've got um, there's kind of a really big beaver, um, kind of religious deacon type chap um, with all kind of religious regalia and either it's either a magic staff or a big two-handed weapon depending on how you want to uh, how you want to look at it um it, i'm quite pleased with him uh, he'll have to be a resin one though because he's massive uh, then there's various kind of witch hunters there's like a otter witch hunter captain there's um kind of a fox kind of inquisitor type fella you know spanish inquisition type thing uh, a couple of zealots like a weasel zealot with a kind of big I don't know what you call it, flail, and then various um, grubs and things as well. Various characters and kind of grubs we've got. Um, we're starting to do. I can't think of what you call them. Um, what are those? Stag beetle grubs. That's what they are. They're stag right. beetle grubs. So basically, them using them for kind of a, as attack grubs. Kind of effectively, if you had a warhound with your witch hunters in Mordheim. Obviously, you can't really do a warhound with your witch hunters in yeah. Mordheim just because your witch hunter might well be a hound. Um, so they've got kind of these stag beetle grubs filling that role, if you like. Uh, and then on the other stuff, the heroic stuff, and we've shown some of them on Facebook. We've got the uh, the badger uh, archer that I've just finished and the musketeer and that, and we did a road warden hound. Um, I've got various bits to go with it. There's like a um, a cat bagpiper to go with that kind of the clan, the hillfolk clan range. Um, just started today, a, a frog and a rabbit and i've just finished the puffin pirate i'm still a bit iffy on that one because i don't know how well it'll cast so i've got to uh go wait and see whether it'll be in there or not i don't know yeah so yeah so you're talking about that puffin today because i was thinking to myself, oh puffins would be great again and going back to the old northumbria kind of thing yeah 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 but just, would... yeah birds are always a nightmare to do because they're just such weird shapes you get away with a lot more with a um with the other animals because they've got they've just got more kind of human shapes yeah so i know the you know the legs are, are different but they all they've you've still got a kind of uh 
a recognizable human form to them so you can put them into positions and things a lot easier than you can with the birds i mean i guess how yeah because how, it's like i mean looking at the the raven and i did one of the i think it was the sparrow or one of the earlier sparrow figures and again it's that whole sort of like using the the, the feathers as the fingers but it's like i suppose it's you've got to be quite careful without without turning it into a hand You've yeah. got to, still got to be a feather, doesn't it? So yeah, I mean, basically, what I what I'd use with them is that they've all got um, obviously the bones inside the hand. They've got fused fingers, and they've got a they still have a, a mobile thumb because yeah. the allula, the um, the bit on the the bird's wing that they can basically a flap like mm-hmm. um, like on an airplane. They're lifted at the front, and that's on the thumb bone. So uh-huh. basically, I just kind of use the thumb to grip things it's you know they couldn't do that in real life but, no, uh, yeah. but, it, but it's as close as i can get away with basically because it does press up against the finger bones yeah so that's kind of just you know yeah it, it's made up in it so I, yeah, yeah i reckon i can get away with that so basically um what we'll we're, we're considering is is doing a large kind of 30 odd miniature probably about 30 miniatures i suspect um kickstarter at the end of october that's the current plan depending on whether a you can get them finished uh, B, whether we can get them moulded and cast in time. And C, I guess, whether everyone thinks that they, they'd be prepared to, you know. Obviously, you don't have to buy it all, do you? You could just get one of the sets. But, uh, yeah. But I don't know. It's, 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 you know, 2020. It's messed everything up. Yeah. <laughs> um, just what you were saying there, Michael, just is, is out of interest. I mean, if you sat down with a, uh, you know, from start to finish, I mean, how long would it take it on average to do if you know if everything was going right? If you didn't hit like a like a you know a creative block or anything like that, I mean, from like like concept to finished sculpt, how long does uh, it normally a, take? Probably a small one like a, a mouse or whatever, probably about twelve to fourteen hours, say. So and then I mean, would you work? I mean, obviously, you would. Would you work on that over like a couple of days? Usually, day and a half. Yeah, you'd yeah. usually kind of. Well, yeah. It, and generally, they take kind of between a little one will take between one and two days of work, depending mm-hmm. on how long I work. Yeah, because um, it's you know you do get carried away sometimes. Still sat there at one in the morning. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, I've just got this image now of you, of you in your you know your sculpting workshop, and um, it's going back towards maybe the like the animatronic films that you're, you're surrounded by little uh, little casts of various different creatures that you you use basically as a, a basis for any of these figures going forwards do you, do you do you start pretty much each one from scratch or do you have yeah you know, no it's, it's all it's all from scratch because it's um because because of the type of thing they are if you were doing when you're doing rank and file army sculpting then you'd very often use body blanks or, or you know dollies that are half finished. Um, again, if you're just doing a human range, you might well have some you know the, a head, body, and legs on there, and you've got to add the the arms and dress the figure or whatever. It speeds things up. Um, but when you're doing individual character figures, it, there's not really room to. You can't have them looking that samey. So, and again, and like you're saying even though you've got them all sort of standing up in in a human-esque sort of stance they're all still not human so you're know, like i mean one thing i remember you having on the the facebook ages ago and it was when you did the red cape the red but it was like the original like frame you did it on was like a it was like a, almost like a outline of the of the bird in in wire wasn't it and then yeah. you filled in the gaps yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah it's the wings the tech uh, yeah Oh, I mean, you get away with an arm. With an arm, yeah. you can just use a single, you know, armature, a single piece of wire. 
Yeah. But uh, when it's something wide and flat like that, you need a bit more support. Yeah. So it's yeah. I mean, it's basically. I mean, today what I've done with the I've got three or four on the go today, and uh, but they're only at the stage where they're basically twisted bits of wire mm-hmm. um, stuck into a base. Uh, but it's it's an important bit because you, you you can if you go wrong at that point it's you won't notice it until the end but it will never work and you'll end up throwing it away and starting again which is incredibly frustrating yeah but, yeah uh, yeah so the armature stage is actually i mean that's where you get it right or wrong in terms of the pose and castability and you know all that I mean, basically is there been like one standout one which you've kind of gone how the hell am i going to do this and you know i mean does any like any sort of like stand out you know i mean because again i'm thinking of like just you know, we're saying about like animals' legs being different. I mean, does it sometimes the the, the end up too human in stances, and you've got to go back and look at them, or is it you know, are you now that yeah, sort of no, used to pretty. Them? I mean, generally, if I think something's going to be too difficult to do, I just don't do it. Yeah, um, you know, lots of people have said, "Oh, can we have a heron?" And I've looked at heron's yeah. legs and thought, "No, not a chance," because you know, yeah. there, there's no way that's going to cast. Yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> And if it did cast, it would just snap when we tried to put it in the box. So uh, you know. exactly, yeah. But, uh, so there's certain generally, um, I think it's pretty. They're, they're fairly straightforward. It's um, it, to begin with, it was it was harder establishing you know all the different types. But now, if I'm doing an otter, I basically I've got a box with one of each of everything I've done in. Mm-hmm. So I'd grab all the other otters and you know have them there so that whatever armature I was doing was the right kind of size and the right kind of shape. Yeah, yeah. And, Ah, good stuff. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it's 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 fun. I do, I enjoy the sculpting. I mean, that's you know, kind of that's the side of it that I'm into really. I guess um, it's one of the reasons I I prefer miniatures games to not that big on board games because because uh, I like miniatures. I yeah. like uh, I like the modelling aspect of it, and you know, it just uh, just be nice to uh, every time I sculpt a new one, I'm that bit further behind on cap on painting them. So uh, you know. I suppose yeah, I remember having. <laughs> I'm having a discussion with you. I think it was last last year in like the the 2D20 group we're all in, and we did it. I think last year I would I was doing it. We knew we do like the monthly challenge, and I think it was must have been summer last year. We did a we did a poll when everyone would like vote for, and then we were going off like games and Burrows badges came up. And would anyone who's not in the group, what we do is just like a monthly challenge, and you know the the rest of the group vote on it, and then the, if you win, you you get your your um your painted entry as the, the the group's cover but we did the burrows like a, a burrows and badges one um and i said i think i'd asked you i said you know when you're sculpting something do you sculpt it how it's painted in your mind or do you just sculpt it and i think you said and i was quite surprised because you said no i just i just sculpt it i don't necessarily think it says i've got an idea did you actually did you win that one Michael. I, I done one. I did win one of them. I don't know if it was that one or not. But yeah, yeah, no, I did. I yeah, just, yeah, yeah. I mean, because I, I think that was the point. I was saying, like, but then you came back to me and said, well, yeah, I know because I sculpted it. I don't necessarily think, right? I'll, I'm going to when I paint that, I'm going to paint it brown. But you kind of go, well, I know that that's a little pouch. My, my, some people might get like because obviously when you've got a, a figure yeah. in front of you and it's you don't, if you don't necessarily. It could be a little pouch, but it could be a bit of fur and that kind yeah. of thing. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's definitely easier if you've uh, if you've put it there in the first place. Exactly. As I'm saying, I'm, I'm, I'm painting this raven, and it wasn't until I, I must have cleaned it up when I first got it. And you know, he's got like um, it's uh, three three purity seals on the. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have no but, idea what you're talking about. No, no. but 
I've actually shaved one off. And it wasn't oh. until I've actually started painting it, I went, I'm going to have to green stuff one on. Um, and obviously, I must have just, again, in the same thing, must have thought it was a feather and it just a bit of bit of resin from casting sticking on and and it's the it's the one on as you look at it on the left hand side which is like two next to each other yeah well i'll one. tell you now actually confession time you didn't shave it off Did I not? Um, you will have got one of the initial batch which uh-huh. nobody somebody pointed out to us what about a month back yeah Some, somebody said oh it's it's come off how's it come off so i checked and they haven't come off they'd uh, come off when it was molded ah that's yeah. you know, so, so so the last lot we've had so we, we, I, all the ones we had in here, we had about 50 left. So I green stuffed them all, um, put them on the web store and said, look, don't buy these unless you're happy with yeah. the fact that I've green stuffed them. Um, and we finally got, we've just literally had the new batch in now. We've managed to get them reca- recast with it on. Oh. And so yeah. So, so, so if you want me to put a, put a, you know send send it back to me, I'll stick a yeah, I'll stick a little thing on it if you want. Well, I'll, I'll have to I'll have to I'll have to pick mine off. So I'll I'll pick it off, send it to you, and you can stick a new one on. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that's what it was. It must have come off in the mold or something, and oh. some of them slipped through. So yeah. This is I mean this is the thing. I mean I'm saying it would it would have been last when's April. Yeah, that's when it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean we didn't even it, notice. It was only literally somebody who'd got one opened and they were going to paint. He said, Oh, I got this at Salute like last year mm-hmm. and like you know on the picture it's got this thing and mine hasn't got that and i was like yeah, yeah it has and I, was <laughs> like, oh, I, was like, <laughs> I was like oh okay oh because like, i've just put it down the fact that like, I've, I've cleaned it up it's been standing in the stand for oh, then, yeah yeah no it was definitely you yeah yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's just yeah <laughs> Oh, fast. Yeah, don't give him don't give him any excuse, Michael. Don't give him any no, excuse. No, yeah, it's your fault. It is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. You've obviously gone round and done the others as well. I've <laughs> flicked them off. Yeah. Then you start yeah. using the resin, you see. I thought, oh, I could scratch them all off. <laughs> no, it's, it's yeah, it's weird with them being in resin. It's, I find it. Um, I don't know. It took me a while to get round to the idea of doing resin because um, mm-hmm. I was, I, you know, I had, I had a lot of Forge World resin, and uh, you know, I wasn't particularly a fan of resin as a result of that. No. And, um, you know, but uh, I think they've, they've generally come out pretty well in the resin. It's good. It's given us more options for things to do with the big guys because we were definitely at the limit of what you could get away with in metal in a single piece. Yeah. Because they just they heat the mold up so much. Ah, right. Never thought of that. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's just literally the heat. It gets to the point where they they're just burning, and you know, there's just a limit to what you can get away with. But uh, yeah. But no, the resin makes it a lot. That's why we did the bulldog. He was he was just he just wouldn't have worked in metal in a single piece. Yeah, he's massive, he, isn't he? he, did, he did just yeah, it just fried the mold. So because uh, I mean, you run them pretty hot anyway. I mean, they're you know generally suppose, they're, yeah, yeah generally they're too to touch when you when you run the molds and obviously the metals you know 270 280 degrees. So uh, it heats up pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, having them in resins definitely it's easier it takes away a lot of the problems of the the casting but obviously it's it's a lot slower to do mm. yeah yeah i suppose so because you've got all, like all the and yeah. the molds don't last very long all right but, uh, oh yeah resin molds you're looking at kind of 50 pulls 40 to 50 pulls and you need a new mold whereas with metal you can get hundreds and hundreds out so yeah Fascinating. Stuff. As I'm saying, there's a, there's a, this. I mean, there's pros and cons. I suppose everything. Like, even like you know, obviously you got the you got the financial side of things with plastics. Um, so it's never there's never like one perfect solution, is there? No, no. I mean, the the plastics would. I'd, I'd love to do plastics at some point, but it's just mm. the, the the sheer investment, the steel tool. Well, I mean, I'm looking at a, uh, a a one like like a Perry's set, 
there it's sort of 18 to 25,000 to get the tooling done for a set like one of their sets of, of one of their box sets yeah and it's just such a huge investment i mean I, I remember going back again like late 90s and gw when the plastic sets started to become more prevalent you know like the the the, like the first sort of multi-part tactical marines and all the yeah, empire yeah. stuff well it would have been like the more time than all the empire stuff and i remember like just haven't talked to people about that and again it was just the, the whole you know it was the first time i'd ever thought like you know there were like the three up sort of miniatures and then it had to be sent off yeah. and it was just and it was just at the time gw were literally the only people who could afford to, to do it i mean it was it is it, i mean and again it's not going to get any cheaper um not well yeah. yeah i mean it's it's not as bad if you get it done digitally um yeah but i, I mean that's that. you know that's kind of not my thing. I don't. I've not tried no. digital sculpting, so I don't really know. But uh, plus, I quite fancy doing three ups. Yeah, I just quite, I quite yeah. like the idea. <laughs> I'd love to get my hands. I can talk about the Perrys. You know, they did those the the, the new French uh, infantry, and in I think again it would have been Salute last year that had some of the three ups there, and I was like, oh well, I want one of them. <laughs> They're amazing. Well, um, they they did a salute figure. Uh, it wasn't the Perrys, but they 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 a plastic figure at salute a few mm-hmm. years back. It was like a um, Jason and the Argonauts single oh, figure, little right. plastic sprue. And I've got one of the three ups from that, and it's uh, I, I just you know I just look at it and think, oh yeah, I quite fancy, <laughs> quite fancy having a crack at that. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, thinking of something that you could make that would um, pay for itself in the end is the hard part. Yeah, yeah. You've got, to, you've got to sell an awful lot of them to make back twenty five thousand yeah, quid. Pounds. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, and again, yeah, it's it, it's only the like, the big boys are really, you know, have got the, the the financial sort of clout to do it, and then you know, or also have the knowing that they're gonna, you know, they yeah, financially market, cover it. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, so fascinating, yeah. fascinating stuff. Did we, fully answer that last, did we fully answer that last question, or did I go off and? Uh, I, I think you answered it, and then some, and then some, because there was going to be a little, fa- little, a little follow-up, just to, uh, just to take us out of it. As soon as we've got him here, Ian. Mm-hmm. So, you've got to think of the miniature that you'd probably most like to be done. Who me or Michael? Don't, don't no, you, yourself. Uh, so, well, so, a, so it's a, something that's so like you know we can put pressure on Michael to, or we can so just say a flat out no here and now and then we can sort of like draw a line under it maybe well it's something he's already said no to us it was years ago <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and, and, and again it, it, that this corner has also been like uh, has been uh, taken by somebody but my wife is a massive guinea pigs fan <laughs> I mentioned it at Michael Donkeys ago and I think yeah. this is before Annie Norman was really doing all her guinea pigs and I think you were sort of saying well there wouldn't be guinea pigs in Northumbria would there? That's, so... that's, the, that's the downside we have yeah. got the odd foreign yeah. like, creature in traveling and that so you know, you know it might happen one day yeah because I'm saying that 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 corner of the market seems to be uh, <laughs> like taken oh by Annie Norman yeah. <laughs> she hasn't done anthro ones so they're no, more kind of little ones with guns basically. yeah or just little ones, she's just done a whole load of um, just little guinea pigs, haven't we? Yeah, so, yeah. I, mean, I, I remember getting some of them. I yeah. think I've said, did I send Cap- some down to you as Cap- well? Capybaras as well. I think. Yeah, yeah. 
But yeah, so we've got. I've, I've, I've painted up. All our guinea pigs are dead now, unfortunately. But uh, <laughs> but uh, that yeah, yeah, that was a nice, uh, nice way to end the show. And all yeah. the guinea pigs died. <laughs> but no, so I've got, I've got all like little, all our old guinea pigs painted up on there. And it's the only thing, it's the only war gaming thing that wife will have in the living room. So guinea pigs. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, you've got to start yeah. somewhere. Yeah. Definitely. It'll definitely. be sisters of battle before you know it. I don't think so. You don't know my wife very well. <laughs> No, and she she won't let that comment go because she'll never listen to this anyway. But it's, it's the only time you can do it, isn't it? Yeah. So so my one would be, and it's, it's something that you actually actually touched on a little bit earlier when you were talking about the logo for Oversaw. Is um, somewhere down the line. I know it's 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 one of those ones, but I'd like to see a more so like a Scandinavian Viking type feel for some of them. I know you do the uh, the pirates and stuff like that for it, but I'd like to see a, a bit more of a yeah, you know, I mean, that uh, northern raiders type of uh, type of thing to it. You know what but I mean? It, so, yeah, I mean my problem with it is is short of a round shield and some chainmail, kind of what do you do? You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking that myself. But, but it's know. like you, you can't you can't stick a beard on them. And uh, I do. But uh, yeah, you never know. I, yeah, I, I mean, I, you know, I do like a bit of Viking stuff, so. Uh, or you think of stuff along, oh, I suppose you've got, I'm thinking of like wired hair dash hound or something like that. It's got like sort of like, you know, oh, that kind of sort of style dog's got like, you know, a bit of a thick tash going on. And that, I suppose that's more your Germanic sort of thing though, isn't it? But there's a, it's kind of working out. Oh, I imagine dash hound would be horrible to do though. Yeah. Yeah. That's no, just, just, yeah. just loads of rats and loads of mice we've, um, and you could, like you say, because you got free range, you could you could put the horned helmets on them and stuff like that, and that would, that would be ice. Sacrilege! Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't put you can't put beards on them, though, Michael. There's some people that's the only way they'll be able to tell the Vikings by putting a horned helmet on. Them. That's, that's true enough. <laughs> yeah. yeah, true enough. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. So that's that's pretty much the the list of questions done. I I, I think it's been absolutely brilliant to have you on, and I've you know it's. Two hours that has literally flown by us talking through, but I, I haven't got anything more to put in. Ian, have you got anything else left? No, again, thank you very much, Michael. It's been it's been a pleasure. It's been a it's the, the stuff we've learned that's not related to bows and badges has been really interesting as well. So oh, no, thank, that's good. Thanks yeah, a lot, yeah. mate. Well, thanks. Yeah, no, thoroughly enjoyed being on. Much appreciated. Oh, good stuff. Good stuff. There you go, Ian. Since I did the intro, then you can do the outro, mate. Come on. Well, I don't know. Have we decided on? Oh, there was Matt's. Uh, yeah. So, so sorry, we always have this debate at the end of the show, uh, Michael, because we can't really decide on doing a, a, a witty outro or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I seem, I seem to be obsessed with having one. Um, so um, I'm not, I'm not at all bothered by it at all. Yeah, you're just, you're just went to go, yeah, go for a fag and go to bed, aren't you? <laughs> pretty much, mate. Pretty yeah. much. That's, that's pretty much fair. Yeah. Oh well. Anyway, so anyway. Thank you, Michael. Again, though, like I was just saying, it's been it's been great having you on the show, Michael. And as I'm saying, from two people who are big fans of your work, it's been a pleasure having you on. Um, and all I've got left to say is, like, if you if you've got to roll evens, don't roll odds. No, something like that. I can't remember. Anyway, good night, everybody. I'll, I'll work it out next time. <laughs> yes. Thanks. Yeah, it's probably not. <laughs> yeah. Eternity, and no one to unwind. I 